Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. So this is going to be episode seven, the curiously named Dice de Mar, which means the game of houses, which we've talked about in a couple other episodes. Um, this kind of is what it is. Like at this point, we're not really going to get into why or our opinions on that. We will get into our opinions on this episode as a whole. Uh, if you are a Benchtown loyal listener, which seems like they are growing every week, which we appreciate all the support on both Twitter. I refuse to call it X, even though my phone, when I search the app, Twitter doesn't come up. I have to search X, which is kind of grinding my gears. And YouTube, of course, all of your comments, everything means so much to us. Discord, all of that kind of stuff. We try to get to it as much as we can. The support has been kind of overwhelming, honestly. Episode one support, I mean, I'm sorry, season one support was a lot of fun. Every, you guys have just kind of ratcheted up a notch. Season two, hopefully, obviously, keeps going in season three, but we still have two episodes to talk about before we get there. So let's get into episode seven. Classic Bingetown housekeeping is just that we cover these episodes in buckets. Typically, they're by location. So this episode is going to be, we'll talk about Avienda and Perrin just on their little Tome and Head road trip. We'll do Falm, and then we'll have little sub-buckets in Falm, and then we'll do Kyrian, everything that happens in Kyrian. That's obviously the smash finale that we're going to want to talk about, I'm sure, the most. That's the most wow moments essentially happen there. So without further ado, road tripping. So Avienda and Perrin, um, they kind of have crossed the continent. Or I'm, I'm sorry, they've they've moved on from Atuan's mill. Hopper's still with them. They come upon two other Aielmen, two Maidens of the Spear. We get their names not audibly, but we get them in the subtitles and then the X Factor, X Ray type of stuff. It's Bane and Chiad. We'll learn them as we go before, as we go on, rather. They are characters that will come back. They take the Avienda and Perrin to a third body and they have a bit of an interesting mourning ritual. So there's kind of two scenes that happen here. We can talk about all of it. They come upon foam, all of the water. We learn a lot more, I think, or at least we get reinforced more about the IO culture here. So just the floor is completely open. Let me just open it up by saying, since we're recording this a little bit later than normal and we didn't have to watch the screeners for this, this was my first time watching with subtitles in <laughs> Woo, uh, years. Baby. And I'm mind blown just by how the spelling of a lot of these names are. Like, it's just like <laughs> I, I, my world is now completely opened up to like, I feel like a, a true wheel of time expert now that I had can actually like write names down. I don't have to just no. write my bullshit. Yeah. My we love Dave spelling, spelling bee corner. <laughs> I was like, is that how you spell Aiel? And is that how you spell Sadai? <laughs> I had so many extra letters in there. It was crazy. The Sadai you should have known from last time, but Aiel, what did you think it was spelled like? Because I, I, I should have asked that. I would have been curious if you guys. How you I it's all it keeps getting flipped like the eyes and the e's keep getting flipped but I think I have it consistently as a i e l maybe i e l I never spell it the same twice it's different every time but it's usually like I think I spelled i e l like a y h e e l or something like that so okay who was one I've given up on is Amerlin I know like if I need to sit down and spell it I can spell it when I'm taking notes I'm just better than Oh, mine Letters literally are, they are in any combination, but I you know. have it, and I have it literally wrote as Amy Lynn. Like, <laughs> like I'm just <laughs> like just I'm just there. typing. I'm just typing. Yeah, I have yeah. a brain aneurysm every time I try and type naive, so I just type. <laughs> I just no, I'm good on that one. No, I'm but... ni naive. I spell it just naive in my head, yeah. like wet, yeah. like Wednesday. That's the way I think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting back the to best. the actual content, yeah. yeah, I was really loving the parent episode. I love that we're getting so many more Aiel. It's just it's great seeing how. His abilities are kind of relating to the Aiel, like especially with how he noticed the two women in the sand or whatever in the, in the desert, whatever they were in. Um, and even the Aiel, what's her name again? 
Avienda. Avienda. Even she was like, oh, that was good for, you know. A wetlander. A wetlander, yeah. So just really cool, this interaction here. I was totally confused by them kicking the shit out of Avienda, definitely. I had no idea what was going on. Um, But then on the second scene, when they're kind of walking with Perrin, and she's like, I hate, and I really like how she's like, don't make me feel the disrespect again, but I'll explain to you why. Mm-hmm they kicked my ass and i thought it was a really great moment for like getting into the aiel culture and this kind of ties in a little bit with how i accidentally kind of called them savages an episode two episodes ago because i mean i'm sure as someone who for parents saw this and was like oh yeah brutal savagery and maybe this is kind of where you make the ties like i can see why people think they're so aggressive but just great for the culture and i i definitely have respect for you all aiel people and i guess my one question is are the women the uh, the ass kickers in like the aisle? Because we've only ever seen women, right? I don't. Besides Rand, I kind of want to leave a lot of this out there for the show. Sorry, I just talked so much. Yeah. No, it's fine. You're asking valid questions. It, we're gonna get a lot more into the maidens that we just kind of got introduced to there. Like, do you remember when they were doing their hand talk? Yeah, that's a very specific language amongst the maidens of the spear. But I don't want to really like get into yeah, the no, nitty-gritty of the IEL yeah. itself and let you guys kind of experience it as the show gives My, it to us because we also could be wrong and they're they could yeah. be doing their own little changes here but this is like a subsection kyle kind of explained it i think it was either it was probably two ago when avienda was actually in it mm-hmm. just saying like this is like a very famous part of the IEL culture is the maidens of the spear and they're all badasses they can all fight yeah. like avienda and they do this, there's like, there's different warrior societies and this is just like the women's warrior society, society is that's the maidens of the spear. Yeah, that's what I figured. we'll meet way more characters, and like Luke said, the show is going to teach us a ton. So this is just essentially the maidens of the spear are one society. Mm-hmm. The only it's thing I complicated. Think, think about the uh, whole time is like, man, I hope Hopper's feet aren't burning right now on the <laughs> sand. Yeah, if it's too uh, hot for you, it's too hot for him. I'm so worried. Um, so. I it's funny because this toe thing the way they just like fulfill it and it was a really cool explanation like hey it was my fault you know I was protecting her back and you know she got killed so it's my fault um I it's like <laughs> I think of like our friend Anthony like you know he he had a bad night one night and he needed some help and like the next morning he comes back with beer like, I could just, I could just you picture could tell him the bad like, night when he threw up all over me. Fulfilled my toe. Like, okay, here's the beer. I fulfilled my yeah, toe. Eagles days on the next day, and he just brings over a case of beer and friends for life. Yeah. So I, it's toe is just like a really cool concept, and the whole honor system of it too. And like Dave was saying, like when you, it's disrespectful to bring it up, but yeah, it's just really cool. I feel the culture in general. Excited to get more of it. Yeah, you guys are going to absolutely love it. I don't have much to add. I'm just hyped that the convergence is happening. Everybody's pretty much in place for the finale. And this was a big part of Perrin and Avienda getting there. So that's going to be cool. And then shout out to any of the book listeners for uh, that name drop of Bane and Chiad. So, or, I, well, yeah. I was yeah. just about to bring up Bane. Bane and Chiad came up. Did they, they didn't mention... For some reason, I'm mixing them up with me- having of mentioned some of the wise ones. But never... Or the, the, not the wise ones. The wise ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's also be yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, but yeah, Bane and Chiad. He's trying to bang Perrin. Dude. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was uh, some that was interesting. I guess how I took it is because maybe they're maybe women dominated in this section of the Aiel culture. Like, 
I guess they're just like horny as shit for men <laughs> all the time. They have, like, they have interesting marriage customs that we will learn much more about. The I think one way to so Bane is like the the larger, I would say more muscular woman. Chia mm-hmm. is just kind of the more slender, maybe potentially agile woman. Really nothing there. They'll get reinforced. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna slide into our ever expanding encyclopedia of characters, which is just classic Will of Time. Cool to put and, a face to them for us though. Yeah. Oh yeah. These are like big it's just like really cool that they're in the show at this yeah. point. One yeah. thing I want to call it that I love a lot is the ideal the ideal ideal, geez, of mm-hmm. like dying and death. And how Avienda says life is a dream from which we all must wake. That was one of my favorite parts of their like culture and custom from the book is that they're really not afraid of dying. They just think, you know, that's a lot of cultures have the idea of that's just, you know, you're moving on to the next life. And their ideal is that like being alive right now is like you're actually in a dream. So like the true purpose almost is like you die and then you wake up. Mm-hmm. And like that's so like they, they don't have that level of fear in them. That's probably why they are so fierce and why they're such like renowned warriors. I just love that little small part of their culture. That was really fun. And I loved how Hopper is like, freaking out while this is happening mm-hmm. and the subtitle just keeps going hopper continues barking <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was really funny and this is like a, a not a big book change but this is quite the book change this is actually a book three storyline that parents not involved in i believe i've mentioned this before not a huge deal but it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of return it to the original storyline because it's really supposed to be like like elaine and nynaeve meet the girls and the the maidens of the spear type of deal so it's just going to be interesting how they decide to introduce that relationship in a different way mm-hmm. we'll just obviously keep our eye out we will see what happens i like avienda's line when they finally get to foam and she's like this is all water yeah how like she was just like blown away that there's this much in one spot that's like a for me this episode is really different from the books but there's a lot of little things thrown in like that like when nine even them meet these uh maidens of the spirit for the first time in book three they're next to a river and they're like really apprehensive about the river and they're like oh my god like we've never seen so much water so mm-hmm. the fact that they like the meeting and how it's happening is way different from the books but they're still getting those small little story beats of like they're like kind of afraid of the ocean and so shocked at how much water it is like that's fun that they're still doing that for some reason i totally took them saying that as this water didn't used to be here i don't know why <laughs> i thought that but yeah yeah they're just they've never seen that much water before ever which makes sense yeah yeah and that much water pretty much scares them i if you've never seen water you can't swim obviously so mm-hmm. it's like well, a silo it's, it's like silo yeah, yeah they exactly. see why the water yeah 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 they're like what the fuck all right so we're gonna move into our next location which is going to be Fom, which essentially is where Perrin, Avienda, Bane, and Chiat arrive across kind of the bay from, whatever you want to say. So the first character bucket we're going to tackle within Fom is just Matt. So Matt obviously technically starts in Kyrian, just wandering around like a little lost puppy. We left him when he kind of abandoned Ran. That turns to him getting knocked the fuck out, which presumably happens by Lanfear as he wakes up in Fom. To his surprise, to my surprise, I'm sure to everyone's surprise, he's just kind of in Fom. I, maybe before we get into like a lot of the scenes, just kind of curious at like the takes of like him meeting Lanfear, this conversation, the fact that he's just now in foam. Like, what was our initial thoughts on all this happening? He even says, like, how'd I get here? And she responds, that's my little secret. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a tear on Grial or something like that, or, or unless they use the ways, but I feel like he would have waken up like the during that journey and stuff like that. So. As Luke smirks. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah shout out the comment section. <laughs> some dope teleport uh teleportation thing or 
I don't really know. But um, yeah, waking up and seeing Lanfear, I'd be like, all right, I like where this is going. <laughs> I, I like where this yeah. is going. Who in the name of the light are you? Yeah, that was really great. I did not expect to see these two interacting so early on. My f- first thoughts were, wow, I guess a lot of our main characters just love getting knocked out by just like yeah. unsuspecting people coming behind yeah. them and just bashing their heads against the wall and dragged to foam. Yeah, and then getting dragged to fall. <laughs> Everyone's just getting dragged over to this spot, pretty much, yeah. I originally thought this was in the dream world. He even says, like, am I dreaming? And I, for me, I just, they have those big, like, stone seals around the fireplace that I, I guess I was always interpreting, like, because we've seen Landfear kind of come out of one of those seals, quote-unquote. I, I always thought that they were, like, our, like, kind of visual cue that were in the dream world. Because like Shamio's goal, baby, is to get all the Forsaken out, and that's like a, like his like mental manifestation of a goal type of thing. But it seemed like they're actually there, so I'm very curious to see what is going on with those big stone slabs that are like that hanging out. I feel like that was a good question though by Matt asking if this is a dream. I feel like it's just very important to be able to start de- deciphering yeah. what's a dream and what's real, which is probably a co- complete coincidence for him because he. Knows, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he knows and nothing neither do about. We, really. the, uh, yeah, he knows nothing about the greater implications of that question, especially who he's asking it to. I honestly thought it was funny. a dream when he, she opens the windows. If it, if the tower wasn't there, like that foam tower wasn't there, I would have just assumed it was a dream because he like well, opens it up and it's like the water is like glistening. It's like beautiful. I'm like, where the hell? Well, I mean, technically, I'm, if he was sleeping in Kyrian and she took him to foam during the day, like that's you see the world as it is still at that time so like it, but i'm i'm on team he's there that's what i'm saying i'm not i think he's there but i'm not even 100 sold on it because we were talking about this earlier like hey if you get knocked out does that count as you sleeping and if he's sleeping and land is like right there he'll just she can just teleport him to farm and get issue to fuck with him in the dream so yeah I want to say because of how extended the period of time it was that he's actually there but I'm not going to be like completely shocked next episode if he wakes up and he's not in foam. After these comments, I'm like starting to, this is like real time just happening for me right now where I'm just kind of hoping that the show starts making it more clear. Like you can have one or two fake outs if we're in the real world or the dream world. But if this is going to be a constant theme for the average person watching this show for the whole series, I don't necessarily think I like it because while this one can work perfectly, like is it the dream world or not? If this is something we're constantly questioning anytime, not just when Landfear's around, when anybody is around, because we already know like Landfear can do whatever she wants in the dream world. This is making me a little nervous now that we're like talking about it at this level. Yeah. Cause like everything we can just have that. Is this the dream world? Is this real? And I don't really think Wheel of Time is meant to be like that. But this specific scene, I'm totally on board. It could be either, but I'm team it's real. Kyle talked about this before when she is infiltrating dreams. She does kind of glitch a little bit because it's like his mastery of it isn't there. So he wasn't glitching in this next scene. So, you know, maybe you could say he is really there because she's not that good. But I don't know. And I would have to maybe go back to like him and Surath talking. And I'm sure someone knows for sure. But that was maybe in Surath's room. So like the big stone slabs weren't there. The stone slabs are just throwing me off. That's about it. I think they've done a good job of where we know it's a dream or not. Like Rand is has all the Emmonsfield five murdered around him. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is obviously not the real world type. There of hasn't deal, so. been a fake out yet. Yeah. So well, the only one that I'm thinking of, this is not even a big deal was the, like the, when Rand, when Rand dies, that was like the only True. one really though. But 
But I agree with Kyle. I was my comment was going to be that I feel like they have emphasized like how ridiculous I guess the dream world can get. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it never has felt like the real world except for that one instance. Yeah, I agree. And we had only really been in this room, him and him being Ishamiel and Landfear talking. I just again, I'll say for the last time, we can move on. The slabs. There's something going on with the slabs. The slabs. <laughs> All right. You watch out for these motherfucking slabs, now. dude. The slabs. Know. So, moving on from the slabs, we get to. Shamuel kind of shows up now and he's in the room. He's broom uh, words. He brews Matt a little tea as they chat about Shamuel's kind of existential crisis, his nihilism, which Matt isn't too interested in, but he does eventually take the tea. So I think we can maybe talk about all of it. I mean, there's kind of three parts. It's Shamuel kind of goes on and on and on about what he thinks. Matt takes the tea, has a terrible trip, mm-hmm. which some of us here might be familiar with. Oh, whoa. And then, <laughs> and then they kind of have a conversation afterwards, which you could say Matt's maybe a little more malleable. So I would say those are the three big kind of parts. Talk about them probably in order if we want to, but obviously there's really no rules. We're just hanging out. I'm going to steal a little something that you guys did on the succession pod where you guys had the quote of the episode. <laughs> and I'm going to say my quote of the episode was Matt going, is this a sex thing or a murder thing? <laughs> Either way, I want you, I'd rather you skip the talking. I just, he's the best. He's, he's so like he's witty funny. and yeah. quick. It, yeah. He's awesome. Um, speaking of Matt, we were talking about difficulty spelling, like all, all the women's name, Moraine and Gwen, Nynaeve. It's like Matt, Rand, like even Perrin isn't that hard to spell. Yeah. Like Land. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's very, uh, very different. Um, but back to this scene. I love the way that we get more of Ishii's motives. You know, it's hard to tell if he's telling the truth because he is the father of lies. And I'm sketchy about that now, but it it kind of, it matches his ideals of what he was saying to Lanfear as well. Um, when they were having that conversation about so many people suffering and I just want it to stop. I want to break the wheel. You know, I want to close my eyes. Finally, the one line, you know, humanity's forgotten so much since my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of it technology. And he's just talking about the tea. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah. The tea. Oh, what is it? He you... gets the good quotes. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Someone else step in. Someone else step <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking. Hey, talk I, have about qu- I, have a, I have a quote later. I'm taking it. I don't care if anybody's in the middle of a sentence. I'm taking it. But I'll <laughs> okay. put a pin in that. Well, I appreciate the heads up. Uh, the only two notes I really had for here was that, I mean, is she proclaiming that he's had the tea before? To which, you know, he also says that he got the best night of his he slept yeah. in for like the first time in his life when he had the tea for the first time. So just some parallels between Matt and Ishii here, because I've been talking about how Matt's been definitely creeping down the dark side more blatantly than the other ones have. Um, and then the only other thing that I'm thinking of here is Ishii keeps talking about how the wheel keeps spinning us like we have lived this cycle multiple times, yada, yada, yada. And then that just got me thinking about like all the visions that Min's been seeing. Like, sure, we've seen visions of Matt killing Lan- or Rand, but what if that was like a different iteration of the wheel? Maybe one that has either happened already or one that hasn't happened yet. Just kind of something that I'm thinking about. But the way he was describing about how the wheel keeps spinning us just made it feel a little bit more like not like timelines, but, you know, we get stuck in this loop where we just keep repeating and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that's what Paul was saying. That issue wants to break that and just completely end that. But just thought it was thinking on all the visions that Matt's had and then him talking to Matt about all this just got me thinking that maybe the visions that 
Min's been seeing are just different iterations of the wheel and they won't actually happen maybe in this one. Just, I guess, potential. It's so hard to explain. Like, I don't want to yeah. say timelines, but I don't know. It's it's yeah. a really interesting thing too now in hindsight. If you go back to season one and w- listen to the conversation that Perrin has with uh, the way of the leaf, the 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 Jesus, what are they? The tinkers. Tinkers. Um, because mm-hmm. it talks about the 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 turning of the wheel. Like that scene gets more and more powerful the more distant we get from it and the more information we get from some of these entities that are self-aware of the wheel and have lived countless lives. So like this scene kind of goes in parallel with that talking about that. But um couple things I wanted to point out just that you guys pretty much hit everything. Positive and a negative. Uh the positive being I love what you were saying, Paul, about Ishi's uh, philosophy as just like a dark friend or like a forsaken keeps coming out and keeps getting reinforced and in a vacuum it's like a very basic unnuanced opinion of just let's end it let's end this wheel but when you couple that with the idea that not all the other forsaken are going to have the same mindset it just flushes out like the dark side even more like they're not all going to have the same idea and goals like we have even the though they one have like basic, a high level goal like we have the one basic goal with ishi even though and he's a very complicated yes, character and it's pure when it's like add it with these other ones like i like it yeah. a lot when you add it to like landfear it doesn't want to i don't think she wants to break the wheel like that's not she her thing she just wants to lose penis baby yeah, so yeah sure. these guys are gonna have their own and it's cool that ishi who like is the the strongest forsaken like has that such a such a pure intent um, so I like that a lot. And now what I didn't like, and I guess this is basically geared towards Kyle is I thought the T was incredibly weak. I saw the, the one flash was okay. I know we're probably thinking about the same interesting piece of that, but like, other than that, I I really didn't like it. I didn't think even the average viewer, I don't think would have gotten much out of that. Oh, I absorbed legitimately yeah. nothing of any of his visions yeah it's kind of tough like we we see him and dave you've you've been pretty good of like keeping track of or you know really taking to heart this reinforcement of matt's like potential tendency affinity for the shadow for darker things i mean we just kind of see him he's hung in the mirror we see him drowning someone we see him stabbing someone we're getting this reinforcement of his mom the line she has in season one where she's like you know whatever you'll end up just like him damn prick all that kind of stuff yeah the tea is weird the the idea of what they're getting at is like very essential and cool and like when i really think about it back to the books like there wasn't a great explanation of it so like this is an interesting way to like visualize it a catalyst for it whatever you want to call it it just is like the tea feels weird it feels like not necessarily unearned it's just kind of like it's just a weird concept you need the book context to even take anything out of it like for me and you i got a lot out of that yeah i understand for sure no way anybody else does it's impossible it's not even like a you have to be a a tedious tv watcher there's there's it was impossible so i felt like that coupled with the fact that the opportunity cost of what that might have taken away is mm-hmm. a problem it's for just, book readers. I think it's going to be a slower burn. This is going to be, this feels like breadcrumb one. Sure. But type of deal. Yeah. There, there's some scenes that yeah. people were expecting this to be that aren't. And I, mm-hmm. I know where I'm just talking through TV watchers, but like, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is a controversial topic. I think online right now, like it's, yeah. it's the most controversial in a while for Twitter, for real time, which is a positive, honestly. All over some tea. That's crazy. It's, just, it's like, kind of weird in the sense of like, and also, I mean, 
the one perspective for me, I could see like I'm like, okay, like why would a Shamiel do this? But it's also he's just fucking chaos guy. Like he's mm-hmm. just fucking he has them all in his grasp. He does what he wants. And even in this in this end, when he kind of says he kind of comes to his aid, he's kind of like his trip doctor, his trip shaman, and is like stroking his face and it's like it's all good. He's trying to instill this nihilism back into him, and he's like the only truth is suffering. And like even with the freedom of death, we just come back again and again. And he's trying to show Matt like no matter what happens in all your lives, like it's going to be misery and pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And like Dave said, like all I want to do is close my eyes one day and never have to open them again. And Matt, after seeing all of this, is like quite receptive to it. He literally the last line in the scene is how mm-hmm. he's, he's got like, him. They're really yeah, they're pushing him in this way, and it's it's interesting and it's different. But this for me was something when I watched the episode the first time and was kind of looking back on it, I was kind of like how this is kind of something i'm questioning yeah maybe and i haven't really made me question a ton in a while this episode as a whole was so different from the books like this was like the culmination almost of all of the different changes they've made and it's really kind of come to a head almost which makes sense towards the end of the season where everything needs to get tied back together i don't necessarily not like everything this was something where i was kind of falling back into the okay i guess we'll see where this goes type of mindset he is raymundo from shallon showdown i think we talked about this maybe <laughs> yeah, before we, have. we totally but, have. <laughs> um i just it, this episode totally reminded me of it when he goes how i'm like dude he's on the hook he's got him yeah um a few very few other things um all the Forsaken might not have the same ideals, but they definitely all have the same tailor because yeah. what issue was wearing here it's looks so out. good. Even just like the elevated collar with all the black wiring, it looked like <laughs> Lanfear's outfits as well. Um, that was great. Um, I loved how it showed Matt after he took the tea, like standing up from the chair like five times. I thought oh, that was dude. like a really Classic good shot. Classic weed brownie reaction too, where he was like, "Hi, right, it's yep. bullshit," and then he stands up and he's yeah. like, "Whoa!" I immediately yeah. thought of the Westworld episode. These like, apples ain't shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Couldn't really couldn't think of that. Yeah. It, it could have also just like showed how much it was affecting him and like how like they were talking about the iterations of the wheel and seeing past lives. So it was almost like you know multiple stands up because of multiple different lives. Whatever. That's going super. Uh, Oh my god, I can't think of the word, and I'm just gonna move on. So anyway, um, <laughs> the last thing I was going to say was okay, and now I'm so thrown off. I <laughs> was it. like, oh, you got it. I'll, what I'll say is that just I guess to wrap up my thoughts for kind of this is like I said, breadcrumb one. This is such a cool fucking part of the books, and I'm really excited for it. And I I think the odds are. It doesn't feel maybe great for book readers. Maybe TV watchers are a little like, where the hell is this coming from type of deal. But I think once we get solidified into where it's going, we'll look back and be like, okay, this was like an interesting start to it. And we're going to love the thread that it is. It mm-hmm. just maybe wasn't my ideal start to set thread. Uh, I remember what it was going to be real quick. Uh, it's edited it super quick. I don't know how to take matt taking the tea like it, it he was it, he was sitting next to it and almost seemed like he was anxious like he wanted to do it but the way he picks it up and puts it back down it's like he's hesitant because he knows he should be a little bit worried about it but the way he downs it like i couldn't tell if he was like i really want to know my past lives or if he was like just get it over with but the the way i took it initially was like he really wanted to know who he was but that kind of directly contradict or um 
Well, I guess that's the very opposite. He wants to know who he was. And when he was talking to men, he didn't want to know his future or something like yeah. that. So I mean, maybe cool. something in the middle of that is that since he had that initial thought, he has found out his future, which is killing Rand. So maybe he's like, what the hell is going on? Maybe mm. I need to find out more. That's maybe a little devil's advocate take there. I just liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, very little things in Matt's scene that really made me like him a lot. Can we just Dude. get some clarification on like what the what does he describe the tea actually as? Like what is it supposed? What does he say? He's does he just tell Matt to take it, or does he say um, like this is this supposed to shows you things, your past lives, all the people you used to be? Yeah, a thousand Which, years, and through all of that, the real one seems super weird to show his mom. I was like, so is he? Was his mom last life? Like I don't get that. Yeah, that was I, that was I guess trying to like really harp on that idea and run the thread back to season one of like maybe he's always destined to be like his dad and be this asshole and be this prick type of deal because she i mean he's really the only one maybe not the only one but like that was something in season one where it was like is matt just kind of along this path that like he actually can't escape where he's just like gonna be a dickhead basically i mean it just shows him being miserable in all the tea and <laughs> he wakes up and she's like yeah we can end this of course he's like yeah i don't want to yeah. go through that let me just end it i am predicting that matt is an mvp or lvp next episode for at least one of us guarantee yeah. put it on the board i don't know which but, one but he's gonna be one or the other uh, and i also will know for sure that donald is gonna kill it whatever they give him because he's been fucking awesome as mm -hmm. matt okay so moving into elaine and nynaeve so they have kind of two shortest scenes kind of three combined so they are kind of wandering through the marketplace in foam doing their thing elaine my gal takes charge and is like listen to me and do exactly as i say which is fun to watch nynaeve's reaction to totally turned on yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah and then they run into loyal which is a fucking fantastic reunion for him and I need, and then a fantastic first interaction between him and Elaine. So just kind of thoughts about everything that happens here. Oh, it was just such a genuine and cute interaction. I <laughs> literally love this. Just coming off that depressing ass episode we just got last episode, like seeing this kind of interaction yeah. made me feel really good. It was just great how naive just cuts off loyal because he knows he's just going to be like kind of talking too much yeah yeah great and i loved it and i love that even like uh she calls out elaine too she's like you're loving this like just sit just stop it like yeah. she's sitting there like yeah what do you mean i'm the <laughs> he bows yeah. to her and everything yeah uh, she's great she definitely i love her i can officially say that this episode she was amazing and yep. i'm definitely team elaine now on the board Oh, she's awesome. I was ready to walk into this episode and say, I, I admit it last episode, I I went from liking Elaine yeah, to really liking it. I'm was, just full on in love with her. This was so the episode for me that I love yeah. Elaine. Oh, she, she's phenomenal. I was kind of mad Nanine didn't let Loyal say your name sings in my ears but you Shut know up, bitch take a back seat <laughs> no i think it's good because they don't get to do it in the show but in the books like it's so much more obvious that every time loyal talks it's just goes on and on and on yeah. so this was a i honestly thought this was a great naive oh, episode like for oh, what little that. screen time she got the whole the scene and the thing. neck and the knocking out of the soul dom at the end was like or the collaring like all of that i thought naive killed it actually yeah i mean we already know that ogiers are like ah oh, humans like no patience whatsoever. So always uh, Russian. Yeah, leans into that. I uh, can't wait to steal this cool line from Luke that he wanted to talk about. Um, Elaine and Anive are talking about how 
the Sean Chan, they're like, wow, they just conquered the city and the people don't seem that upset. You know, they it's you wouldn't even be able to tell. And that was kind of going into what Luke was talking about when we first got introduced to the Sean Chan when, you know, Uno died. They kind of take the O's and then they're like, uh, all right, cool. We'll uh, we'll let you be then. And then they just kind of go off and Sean Chan don't really like inter- they don't interfere with your live really as long as you just are chill with what they say so kind of paints that picture a little bit too and that helps go into the sean chan's goal and the empress's goal later on in the episode mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that but yeah my i only have three notes about this scene and one of them was elaine telling on eve what to do is hot i was just <laughs> oh my god well it helps that also elaine is just hot so mm-hmm. one thing um they mention they being loyal is he just name drops the death watch just an important kind of sean chan little squad within like their military type of thing we'll get more about them just was nice for me kind of sat me up a little bit straighter when he said it the death watch guard is definitely a big part of sean chan culture and the luke mentioned obviously the last little scene in their bucket is them placing that adam on an unsuspecting suldam I just Nynaeve's line of like, hmm, this looks like it'll fit or whatever, and just puts it on her, and then Elaine just knocks her the fuck out, was just like fantastic. That is so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect. The best Wonder Girl scene. Yeah, Elaine just comes to her at the end with a little club, knocks her ass. Mm-hmm. Nah, let's get it. We can kind of maybe imagine what we're getting there, but mm-hmm. whatever. I'm I'm just a little confused because we were talking about what would happen if you put a collar on somebody that couldn't touch mm-hmm. or channel, and we were like, oh, it just wouldn't work. And we were kind of talking about how the Suldam are not, well, originally were like seemed and thought that they weren't channelers and they were just able to control them. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that the Suldam can actually touch the one power and like can kind of channel. And then what they're doing about the Mane, they're just like being hypocritical. Um, completely like that would just be an interesting aspect because i don't really understand um everything else beyond it but obviously hopefully we'll get some answers next episode so maybe maybe it's just just the same thing you just can't use a weapon um do you have a take on what is what's gonna happen like with the collar yeah just like and everything you just pose a bunch of questions throw an answer out there just if you have to put it on the board (laughs) Um, I mean, you have been tiptoeing around this idea of can the Soldom channel? Can they not? It's weird they do the hand signals. Do they need to do the hand signals? Yeah, I I want to say that they really are channeling, and the Empress is just lying to them and telling them that like oh like these other demonic they're not like worthy or whatever. So I want to say yes, they are kind of like touching it, maybe in like a different approach than like flowing in the water or whatever. But I want to say yes, they're d- fucking with the power a little bit. That would be quite the shake up to their culture. Dave, uh, any yeah. thoughts? Shatter their minds. And yeah, you want to talk like, about hypocrites. Yeah. Anytime Paul says anything, I'm just like, yeah, sign <laughs> me up. Sounds sounds great. Like he, he made right. a lot of sense there. Like if they were able to touch it in like a little bit, and they're just hiding it from the demone, maybe they're just it's all based on like a jealousy thing. Like why aren't we as powerful as them? It could be a bloodline thing. Like maybe because Egwene wasn't, you know birthed in whatever country they're from you know they automatically imprison them mm-hmm. so i can a lot of what paul's saying i feel like 
does push it. But, you know, if he had been talking about it the other way, I would have been like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like totally makes yeah. sense that they wouldn't have any ability to touch the one power. One of the best YouTube comments we ever got was like kind of describing each of our roles on this podcast. Like they were like, yeah, Kyle's like such a good book expert. Luke's great support. Paul's the Theorist. Paul's the theory guy and Dave's the energy. I just the <laughs> and I was yeah, like, that's... that just kind of got encapsulated right there. It was yeah, good. I'm, I'm exactly the hype up, man. I'll I'll hype up Paul's theories all day. S tier, S tier. Okay. All right. Getting into our final bucket, which actually flows quite well off of that conversation because now we're getting legitimate Soldam, Adam, Damane was the first word I was actually looking for interactions here. So we get Egwene. And Mygen's there as well. They're beginning, I guess, a little bit of Demane training. They're kind of doing a little power level testing, which is kind of cool to see. They're got the outskirts of Foam. Egwene, our girl, puts on a fucking show, mm -hmm. essentially, that they feel all the way back in Foam. So not a ton actually happens. It's really one thing is Egwene being a beast. So just thoughts on her kind of blowing the competition away, actually, for lack of a better term. This was one definitely saw it coming that she was gonna like outperform did not know it was going to be so big that loyal heard it like way back in the city just really cool uh, uh it's interesting because we did see that Egwene was able to quote unquote like attack the other Suldam and Demane there and it's kind of like shedding light on all right the Demane can't attack but if their Suldam wants them to attack somebody else then they can it's what it, it seems like because she was able to hurt it it's not like bound by oaths where like you can't hurt them or something like that so going off of that with what Nynaeve and Elaine did you know I don't know if they're just going to be able to have like the person in the collar just fight for them now um or, yeah because Nynaeve yeah we didn't mention that but Nynaeve has the the thing on her wrist yeah and I don't know the way they like link up. It seems like they're channeling, but I don't know if that's just part of the Terran Grial, like was infused with some shit or what. But I guess we'll get more of it because we can speculate on it all day. Um, but um, when Egwene sent out that shockwave and they uh, showed everybody reacting in the town, you guys see that cute little cat. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I paused it and I was like, "Emily, get in here! Look at this!" <laughs> That's wait. Funny. Where's Peach? I gotta show you. Peach. <laughs> That's so funny. I'll say really quickly that um, I know we've been talking a lot of shit and like the pacifiers or whatever you want to call them, but to be honest, it maybe it, it's fucked up. But I think because seeing it on a character that I've already you know come to know and love well i guess maybe not love but this episode say, no this episode Ellen, bro this episode she made a huge jump for me yeah. absolutely um but i was just thinking that it's just it is really demoralizing having them like have these pacifiers because they're just not capable of speaking and there we got the guest star yo hubert what a perfect advertisement for the fact that the huey action. the cat is named after huey from the boys and we will be covering gen v on the podcast from the boys universe and amazon prime if you're not sick of me and paul's energy and theories go check it out yeah, it's coming true. soon <laughs> but yeah yeah the pacifiers definitely i i hate them even more now seeing them on a grain <laughs> really pissed me off because like i know she is just a ball of energy and just wants to say things like she does later on which is great but uh, it was really demoralizing seeing it on her and my second comment will be that Yes, as much I love the power blow up, like that was just amazing. I love Kyle knows I love me a nice strong character. Yeah, but then I of course thought like, 
well, what if this was naive? Like, I would have loved <laughs> to see what, and uh, that would have probably yeah. pissed off the city. Yeah, Gwen, that would have pissed off. Like, even just <laughs> wondering imagine? that. Yeah, even but when I, they're Damane and like they're still like competing, and she's getting upset. She's like, "This sucks." I hate. Yeah. <laughs> but that was my other thought. I was like, I just wonder what Nynaeve's damage would have been just if Gwen is like one in a thousand, and a, a Nynaeve is like one in a million power. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the nuke was awesome. She is great. I voiced my opinion on. I love later naive sorry naive i love later Egwene, and the fact that i like Egwene so much this early is great because i don't think i did when i was reading the books honestly i didn't like most of our emmonfield five besides rand early on in the books kind of by design but we're getting to the portion yeah i wasn't even the biggest parent guy either but like as we're getting to the 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 base of this world laid out like this is when i really started to get attached to some of these non-ran characters and it's just great seeing glimpses of how strong Egwene is and renna right renna mm-hmm. renna renna um i'll let you you can say a comment about that scene as well kyle but i'm taking us through the now nah, yeah just take us right there don't matter. this is where the quote of the episode is paul oh yeah um not even here to go to the episode <laughs> this this scene was was fantastic for me because I had no idea how Egwene was going to react to this conversation because Rena was so pleased with that presentation of power out there in front of all the other Sean Chen that when she takes her back to the cell, she's trying to be real with her for a second. She's explaining what Paul mentioned or Dave mentioned about the Sean Chen. Their goal is to unite everybody on the planet under the light, which is just a huge underlying theme <laughs> of the Sean Chen. <laughs> what up, Peach? Um, and then another cool part about it is that the Sean Chen know about the last battle. They met, she mentioned it here. She's like, it's coming. We need to make sure that we have all the pieces in place for the last battle. So it seems like from the average Sean Chen's perspective, they are still like on team light and they are trying to return back to the continent, take it over like, like they're prophesized to, and then win the last battle. That's their whole goal. And she's like saying all these things. She's trying to indoctrinate Egwene into the culture. She feels like because they just succeeded in that presentation. That it's all go- it's all going well. And she like looks at her and gives Egwene a chance to talk. And she goes, Renna, I will kill you. And it's yeah. just <laughs> I was just Wind so hyped, dude. Wind I was up. so excited. <laughs> Especially with how mad Renna got because she yeah. thought she was making some progress. But you absolutely had nothing on my girl Egwene. So this was like just that was I'm gonna ruin it now. That made Egwene the MVP of the episode for me. I was like, Yeah, that's yep, fair. So Luke's gonna go first, get yeah, his MVP exactly. out of the way. Yeah. That's I fair. mean, it makes my life easier because she was definitely dude, in it for me. The nuke plus I will kill you, like yeah. I, I, dude the it, look in her eye like the intensity when she actually like lets all the power go out there and like she's like breathing hard and she has the little baby pacifier and it felt like like mm. she just was gonna kill somebody right yeah. there i was like and oh a my cute God. little nose Kyle. yeah oh, dude, the cute little nose i was about to go to war for her with her i thought that was gonna be the moment of her escape like i thought she was just gonna like oh, power burst and like crazy. everyone was gonna be knocked out and she would have made a move somehow nah that would weaken yeah. the, that would weaken the items but i do love that quote even more because it's it's funny because at the end of watching i think last episode uh me and alki had a conversation and he was just like kind of worried that he was kind of asking, you know, like, oh, do you think Egwene was like really broken down? Like after all the events that happened, she looked really down in the dumps. And I was kind of like, I can't tell. I hope not. And this quote just doubled down on the fact that she is ready to put up a fight any moment if she needs to. Like the moment, like she can just, I, I feel like it just shows that she's able to switch back and forth between that mindset of like, I can kill you and still have like not pain around me. Yeah, well, also- t- 
go ahead, to go off that uh what you guys were talking about like the i will kill you line and you know dave couldn't tell if she was down in the dumps i thought she like Rena was making headway i was like oh my god is this and we talked about a little bit about this before but i was like oh my god is this going to be like a reek situation where uh a, a Nynaeve and elaine come in and Egwene's like no like don't hurt Rena or something like that but um the way that she just dead stares her in the eyes and says i will kill you i was like well okay that hits way harder because i had no idea what you were gonna say totally agree that makes the quote so much better because even as a book reader i was like dude what is happening right now? Like, yeah, is she yeah. is she in? Is she just, in? But just braids her hair back up, thinking yeah. about ways she's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. I have a question for Paul and Dave. How do we feel that they are like kind of tangentially on our team? Like they're like team the light. They want to fight the last battle. They say like we can only fight it together. You know, Lord Tarak was like, I was sent here by the light type of deal so like they're anti the shadow like Surath is obviously he feels like an outlier within the Shan Chan but they're not obviously good people so it's like an interesting kind of moral question I'm just curious of what you guys think of the fact that like they kind of have our goal I yeah it, well maybe not Dave's they're... goal but like our you know the normal people watching the show's goal yeah there's tiny little biceps on the shadows so. <laughs> No, I uh, <laughs> totally agree. It's it's like they're on the same team, but they have like slightly different opinions. So they're like almost fighting each other. So I, it's almost like it's going to take somebody to unite them. Oh. And it's like, oh, well, I wonder if some Luke Smirks over there. Um, I wonder <laughs> if it's going to be Rand next episode, uh, like announcing himself as a Dragon Reborn. And then maybe the Sean Jenner like, all right, he's cool. We can we can work together. I just know I money's just think on Hopper. <laughs> Hopper, nice. They're definitely getting the, the king or whatever you want to call him is definitely getting played like a fiddle for sure. I, I do genuinely believe they they have these. Who 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 are you talking about? Turok, Long Nails, Long Nails. Yeah, with the Long Nails. Is he not a king? No, no. no, no. There's the emperor, High Lord. That we- that we've heard he's about. a commander, Implied basically. king, from what I've seen, he looked like a. He's like a. He's like a royal, not like a yeah. king. He's, he's like the commander of their kind of advanced force. Like he's the highest. He's the highest ranking Sean Chan on the continent at this point. But I mean, they're not it, from the continent. I just think he's getting played like a fiddle, obviously, because he obviously has no idea who Ishi is. Um, and it kind of makes sense with how he would want the horn then to help fight the dark. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of makes sense. It is interesting. I mean, I feel like this is. We've pr- we've we've brought it up in a podcast definitely before that just like we have all these factions and like some of them overarching do have similar goals but then there's like these sub goals yeah that's that what makes World time fun makes mm-hmm. yeah because obviously sure them and the Aes Sedai could work together and be a powerful force but obviously how they view one another is complete yeah. opposites there's a lot also of like... at, while also being similar at the same time like what they yeah. want to do with Rand is exactly what the Sean Chen are doing with. Or the, but the eyes that I want to do with Rand are kind of is exactly like what the Sean Chen are doing to this guy gets yeah. it. Yeah, I do. I mean, the ending of this next storyline when we get to Kyrian is a lot of that, too. It's, you know, obviously some strange bedfellows. The enemy of my enemy is my friend type of deal. So uh, that's what I'm thinking of, too, is like the White Cloaks was another faction that we know the White Cloaks are anti dark, but they also hate the eyes to die. So it's like, yeah. And they're anti Sean Chan, and it's like yeah, they're anti Sean Chan, but they're also pro light. So yeah, complicated weave, weird. baby, yeah. complicated yep. weave. Yep. 
one super small line she says unite every person on this planet under the light um is it like a known thing that they know the entire planet's like geography no that was an interesting thing for me too it's never like in my opinion there's like i feel like there's definitely like a known world and like we don't know i feel like we don't know like like the quote-unquote backside yeah okay you know like they know that like the aisle waste like the mountains are there and then the other side is the aisle waste and the aisle waste goes somewhere and like there's another settlement like group of people kingdom whatever the hell you want to call it on the other side of the aisle waste that's like very loosely involved in the story but like that's kind of it i think gotcha. like, there's a lot there's like like yeah East there's a lot of unexplored Essos, you know what that's I mean? what I was figuring, uh, or that's what I thought, like, there was lands they probably didn't know about or knew was there, but they didn't have any information. But the way that she said, like, everybody under the planet, I was like, oh, so do they have everything on the planet mapped out if they're trying to unite them? So, yeah, it's it's honestly part of that. And again, I'll probably hit the quota for the unreliable narrator. I'm sure it gets mentioned once on every single Wheel of Time podcast, but the idea as well, Shamiel brings it up of like, there's so much knowledge has been lost, et cetera, et cetera. Like where we're at now, there's such a limited amount of knowledge of what's actually going on, everything like that. So in my opinion, they wouldn't know everything about the quote unquote planet. It's not even like really introduced so much as an idea of like the planet. There's a small village on an island somewhere. Yeah. No idea this is going <laughs> exactly. down. They're just chilling. We're yeah. on our own planet on this island. That's true. I Although thinking, technically it's it's heavily implied that this is Earth. Yeah. My so, uh my only my one piece comparison for the episode is hey. Tarak definitely is giving big mom vibes in terms of like <laughs> wanting to unite everyone at the dinner table, you know, kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Wait, that that's a little, in- that's a little bit of shoehorned in, but okay. <laughs> well, we've got our convergence Malazan one, so Kyle, you're just saying that is interesting because I we knew that was kind of a thing, but now it's like, all right, if this is Earth, where is Falm? Like, what did that was it? Did that used to be like Falmadelphia, Egypt, or something like that? Or yeah. I almost want to leave it to the show to potentially drop any of those book hints. They're like super small. Like I never noticed them the first time. I just like read a Fun Reddit, post. Reddit post. Yeah, people like compiling all of them, but they're like really in between the lines hints of like historical things that have happened on Earth that are like myths and legends essentially that have been passed down. Which is cool. Okay. So we're going to move to Kyrian. This is our last bucket, our biggest bucket. Lots of water to drink out of this bucket that did not land. So we're going to start with Leandrin. Just the opening one. She kind of has a little bit of an isolated, self-contained storyline. Two scenes. We're going to smash them into one because that's the easy way to talk about them. The premise, the lead up, the intro is Leandrin arrives at the Domitret household and wants an audience with Barthanis. Ragamel was wrong, right? Ragamel was wrong. Another instance of me feeling like a fucking idiot. (laughs) We're like, you hear it there, you're like, dude, it's right. It's obviously right. (laughs) Last episode, I'm like, I really like this guy. I could see him being a great king one day. Yeah. So I take those words right out of my mouth (laughs) and just fucking shove them down my throat. Before we get deeper, question for you has you've always been on team, like, there's way more dark friends out there. Like, we know characters currently in the show that are definitely going to be dark friends. 
he is now obviously one of them. Mm-hmm. Does he fill that quota for you? Or are you still this feeling was like a feeling? small? This was yeah. such, like a small dark friend reveal. Yeah. This is small kind of light. more so making me feel like uh, it's just like a reminder again that really anyone close that yeah. we know uh, can be a dark friend. And so this wasn't nearly the itch that I was getting. I, there's still going to be that one big one that I'm just going to be like, should have known the whole time that you were a dark. <laughs> but friend. that's the that's the key is like like you just said it's a reminder and yeah. this fucking like blew my mind i didn't see this even though you told us that moraine's sister potentially could have been because of the conversation you had yeah. on dragon mount dragon mount right mm-hmm. correct yeah um i didn't see this coming at all even after that conversation after that conversation last podcast i just assumed that if it was going to happen it was going to be the sister really you didn't think they were going to keep it true to the books no, I just thought the way that the show was going, like how yeah. this was happening, like I, I, I thought it was. I guess it makes sense because you even brought it up, like they were giving this guy so much screen time with the sandwiches and like yeah, the, yeah. my favorite aunt, like all that. I should have seen this coming, but I just sometimes I'm a victim that, of just the moment. I, the, the herrings worked <laughs> on me because I was like, oh, yeah. this guy's genuinely a good dude. Because I feel like the dark friends that we've seen, I mean, the Pat and Fame was probably the biggest reveal, but that didn't hit us that hard because. Pat and Fane had only been introduced at the time for, as like the cart guy, whereas this has where Barthanis has played. Sorry, is that his name? Barthanis? Yeah. He's played a bigger role. It's not a Moraine. great one, but it's a... Yeah, it's not a great <laughs> one, but he's definitely gotten a lot of screen time, like you said, and I feel like this was the first character that it was like, we got attached to. Shit. He's a dark friend, you know? Yeah. Totally new. Is... Go ahead, Paul. All the time, Kyle. We are just on the same nah, wavelength. I mean, your Sorry content is more important than mine. So uh, I just knew that Mumsy was going to hear everything. You know the way that she, she did. Yeah, I, I mean the way she talked about like how she like like kind of made it through everything, and she was resilient and resourceful. Um, I knew she was. I, I had a feeling she was going to be able to figure out a way to listen in. Um, but I was also taken back a little bit because the way that they rose to power was because Bart became a, a dark friend um, and that's how they w- rose. So I was kind of like, all right. So Mumsy thought that it was all her and it was her hard work that did everything. I'm like, oh, I'm sure that breaks her heart a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was well, Darth it, Bart the whole time. It, they had a I name of like Kyrie and royalty almost too already. So it's not yeah. like it was just like from scratch, like some yeah. of the other dark friends goal is like, um, it's true. Oh, they like were like a completely like disgraced house, though. So sure, sure. That's but you have a leg helped. up, obviously. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. I'm super. In my head, when I heard that that he was talking about, oh, we wouldn't be anything without me turning to the dark side. Pretty much, I kind of was like, I'm surprised Moraine didn't. I guess I know she's not home enough, so maybe that's I'm yeah, answering she's my own so question. So one track minded. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, how would she have gone, like, leaving the house in a disgraced state and then come back to it being, like, so Decades, prosperous? Though, so you don't know. I feel like she happen. totally believed her sister. And, like, obviously, I feel like her sister, Anvir, also showed her in the small amount of scenes we got in episode four. I'm going to throw it out there of, like, all the eyes and ears of her. She knew about Rand and Celine, all that yeah. kind of stuff. That probably was enough for her and she's just like i said so one-track minded things are happening around her that if they're not related to the dragon born it's like cool good for you man and so kyle do you think the name of this episode a lot of a a big part of it did it have to do with this storyline like i I guess like essentially like he played 
Dice de Mar, aka the Game of Houses, through the dark, and that's how he she won. She was connected to it too when she talked to Rand for the first time. So I guess yeah. it's that. I don't know. I thought it was yeah. a weird name for this episode. Yeah. It's a Game of Houses. Is that yeah? Okay. It, it's yeah. The so, Game of Thrones. Like it's they that. had they had the awesome line Leandro had that said, "Remove her from the board." Yeah. So that kind of went into it, and like she's a player, like make her not even eligible yeah. anymore. So. It's, cool aspect literally game I, of thrones like that's so like a, stupid i didn't even think of it like that oh my god so dumb. <laughs> i like the he's like I pointing like the at the R painting like remove it from the board i'm like what take the painting down or <laughs> 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 i'm so stupid holy shit. i like the i like when he says our master and then the music you just hear yeah, the music yeah. kind of drop and it get more intense and i was like they did it this is like 100 he's a dark friend in the books he's really not a huge character in the books you kind of like hear of him tangentially they get an invite to his party starting a little bit of a banger and they go, but they know that he's a dark friend type of deal. So they're kind of like on edge. And I, this kind of worked to maybe a little better just because we knew him beforehand. So I feel like the twist reveal type of deal worked better. Interested to see what happens with him. We kind of leave him and his mom. He's like, don't tell anyone. She's like, it's too late, baby girl, baby Love boy. It. Like I told everybody, the guards are there. I do like how she puts a little respect on Moraine's name where she's like, you know, Moraine is Moraine, but at the end of the day, like there's two things that she understands the difference between right and wrong and how hard it is to do something that's right. And she's obviously, I think, speaking to herself in that scene as well of like, that's something mm-hmm. she learned from Moraine. She's putting that lesson into action right now, which I thought was a very little sweet moment. My son's a dark friend. There's no saving him. Like I got to do what's right. Was it implied that she killed him at the end there? No, I didn't think so. At least I thought they were just like guards there, maybe outside. So maybe just, they okay. executed yeah. him to in like there, imprison but- him. I yeah. figured they imprisoned him, didn't kill him. I ain't seen okay. nobody. But yeah. I, I don't think when Leandrin says at the end, you know, it, even if your mother hears, like, get rid of her, too. I don't think he it seemed like he wouldn't have never gone through with actually getting rid of his mother. It seemed like he actually really did love her. And he was saying, like, I did it for us so we could, mm-hmm. you know, rise. For, I did it for you, basically. Something I think about, too, is what is going to be the aftermath of, like, the failure? Like, if he's in the cell failed the mission is still alive i'm wondering if they do anything with that we'll see if he comes back i feel like he he could be a fun little character that they can keep the thread going for like a like they can get a they can milk a little more we just see storyline so i'm him next to low gain like in the (laughs) asylum like hey first time like he just got in with no hands and no tongue as we move 20 years into the past with a little bit of de-aging cgi and this is young moraine young sawan a little bit of a little lovers not a quarrel but a classic honestly conversation that a lot of people have had in their lives if i really hope your parents and your family like me they're making all these big plans now that the aiel war is over so we get another breadcrumb about the aiel war 20 years ago dots are connecting here and they're kind of completing after they get a little kissy kiss and they talk about their future this little mission, which happens to be informing this new older Aes Sedai. We meet Gitara Sedai that the IEO war is over and they get a little more than they thought they were going to get as they walk into this woman's chamber just to give her this news and their whole lives are kind of thrown upside down. Crazy. Would that, just would that like, have just happened to anybody, I guess? Like if No, no because nah. it was the timing of it when you saw the flashes and the parallels with Rand's mom giving birth to the Dragon Reborn. They, yeah, they mention a line here, which if you don't know, you have no idea. But she mentioned, I think it's Moraine as this guitar, her eyes kind of glaze over and she starts saying all these things. And I believe it's Moraine who says, are you having a foretelling 
we've talked about how Loghain can see male weaves and how that's like a talent, like capital T talent that you have that like not everyone can do that type of deal. Foretelling is a talent from the books where like you get glimpses of the future, in my opinion and knowledge. They have not introduced this concept at all. They name dropped it here. Essentially, it's a thing, of, like, you know, however rare it is, one in a million channelers have this ability which is called foretellings they're completely random they just come upon you completely involuntary different than men's ability yes yeah and you have like you have a legitimate like look into the future like you can see the the actual future technically like it felt like it was happening so she's like she the way they shot the scene was it's happening parallel but like she knows that like the dragon is being born and like can see that like it's he is the dragon type of deal so like foretelling is is kind of like a yeah a glimpse into the future of things that are going to happen. Mins is like insanely cryptic, and while foretelling mean- is more of like a this will happen. Okay, got it. As a book reader, I've pictured this scene a million times in my head, and it was just amazing for me to see. Don't have anything to add. It's just yeah, this sets off the whole series, and it makes so much sense. Like this is such a pivotal scene. I didn't think we were ever going to get it because we've already been told about it in words. This is a new spring this was scene. Awesome. Okay, we, which uh, I ha- cool. is the only book I haven't. It's the prequel. Yeah, book yeah. This to the happens. 14. Yeah, this happens in the prequel. Personally, the only one I haven't read. So, I thought it fell flat. It didn't like feel like intense or like a huge heavy weight to me. Is what it is. I, that might be my only single complaint about the episode. Is that we got the umbilical cord shot again, which yeah, was nice. They were like, yeah. dude. The people loved it in season one. Let's bring it back and show them in the season two. Oh, it's wild to see the Aiel. I was just, you know, see that whole scene again and how crazy it was season one. It is cool. And it does hit hard again in season two. Because like Luke's saying, it is setting off everything. It's like the Dragon Reborn is being reborn. Like it's, that's it's, a big fucking deal. It's the moment that sets yeah. up the whole series. Yeah. Um, and talking about Swan meeting Moraine's family and oh, I hope they like you or that I hope they like me. It just shows that Moraine didn't want to abandon her family for all of those years. It literally this night happened. They were talking about their future. They wanted to get a little bamboo hut, which is just adorable. And Moraine's like, I'm not the fucking fisher wife. You're the fucking fisher wife. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they get this and it's kind of like Dave what you were saying like oh like would that was that just like random that it happened to moraine and swan like, yeah like, like if leandrin was by the like, door would she have immediately maybe. just taken up her sword and been like all right the fucking wheel man the fucking yeah, wheel yeah. maybe I was gonna gonna say, my answer to that is purely just the yeah, wheel I mean, weaves as yeah. the wheel wills that's, yeah. the, it's, that's the answer i was expecting i was yeah. just in my it's, head just playing that hypothetical like if yeah, it was a marvel's what if like it's what a if cop out it's a cop out answer but in this specific context of the wheel of time, this is the whole foundation of the series. Yeah, is yeah. It's their part to play. It's, in it's the exactly wheel. like yeah, the Tavirian, it's one of my, like all these moments. Yeah, it's one of my most favorite like writers steroids, I guess you could say, for lack of a better point, that they put in their own story. Classic example. And we've talked about this before because I feel like I've said these words before of in Dragon Ball Z where like the Saiyan gene yeah, yeah. so they yeah. get their ass kicked and then they're stronger. It's just like it's it feels like such a cop off. out. Yeah, yeah, but it's like part of the story. So Literally, like it eventually keeps working and working mostly and working. weaknesses and other stories. It's, it's actually a strength yeah. in real time because it's by design. No, yeah. yeah it's cool. I think it would be great. I just to but, say her words, um, the baby lies in the snow and cries like the thunder and burns like the sun. We've heard that before, have we not? Tell no one, my sisters, you must find the dragon reborn and prepare the world to follow, which is interesting. And they kind of look at each other and like, fuck. 
Remember there goes all the plans that we yeah, just that, like, that sucks. <laughs> the moment Moraine becomes so selfish, yeah. but not selfish because it's <laughs> the greater good. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, so takes me off guard every single time I see Moraine smile. Like I'm like, dude, I'm used to depressed, like disheveled, <laughs> haven't done my hair, Moraine, and she yeah. looks so happy, young and and naive, if you will. But it's she's happy and kissing Swan. It's it's very weird juxtaposition to then just cut to the new Moraine scene of I'm um, like shielded. I love the the meta parallel of guitar that I was having the foretelling, seeing the scenes of um rand's mom having rand and it's like also for us it's season two episode seven cold open season one episode seven cold open i thought i didn't notice that until i like, wrote down my notes i was like oh my god episode pattern seven. baby we're getting yeah. in season three yeah. like, be crazy. on the lookout we're getting some sort of flashback in yeah season that's three. true that's crazy all right let's okay. run okay yep oh man my notes are slightly out of order here but just one little scene i'm, I'm gonna talk just mention it so that it's like out there in the world we don't really need to comment on it Yasuka, everyone's favorite, second favorite, third favorite, second favorite, Brown Sister, Hans Varen, and Ogier, map of the city. Tomas kind of gets the the knowledge, the the go-ahead. He walks off, and as our green trio is a bit suspicious, Yvonne and Maskim vote to follow him. So Yvonne just goes off and follows him, and Maskim is just kind of there with Alana. That's like something that happens that'll brew in the background. The really no no, no no hold on I just made a Harry Potter reference we can't go past this because we missed it the first time but oh. Yasuka being Cho Chang right yeah <laughs> from Harry Potter oh I cannot god, believe we didn't we didn't pick yeah. that up the first time around oh my god but I had mm -hmm. to I had to bring it up I asked Emily I was like I bet you can guess where she's from she looks at me she's like Cho Chang I was like oh, oh that's nuts the disarray between the eyes to die like who is who is the guy that said oh I, I don't trust Baron Yvonne. Yvonne, yeah, just yeah, that's Alana, one of Alana's warders. I yeah. just like wrote that down because I was like, Varen has proven nothing but loyalty. But again, same with Lando, not, he when doesn't question know that, him. Though. Remember when? Yeah, they, yeah, he doesn't know that. It's everybody is yeah. on to the us. Table yeah, to yeah. us, we're like Varen. Yeah, that's what like I wrote it down. I was just like, come on, yeah, Varen's definitely rider. So him, Yvonne going to follow Tomas, that just didn't have any purpose beyond the point of there oh, is animosity between all the sisters they don't really know okay because I, I was like what is what is happening here why are they yeah, splitting we'll up? get there later and he's just not there suspicion yeah. not i wouldn't say animosity yeah, yeah. Uh, and mask him does again to reinforce this point mask him's like i'm more concerned about leandrin where the hell is she at and that gets into the leandrin darth bart scenes which we already talked oh, about where'd you get that that's cool oh that's actually the second time i said it this episode oh so. wasn't I, I missed the first one hold on the first time I heard that, I was like, yeah, yeah. I love that. I got We're the doing that now. I got the ball stamp of approval, so I said it again. <laughs> All right. Moving into, a, finally, a reunion between Moraine and Swan. So Moraine arrives in this kind of audience hall that Swan has set up. She brought her replica Amarillin seat with her, and they have this little kind of very quick discussion about Basically, the first scene about like how far they've come in those twenty years. I think we talk about all of that before we talk about obviously Rand. Um, just absolutely love Swan's constant, constant references to like being a fisherwoman, yeah, the fisherman back in the day. You know, um, they were talking about, hey, why didn't you tell me you'd been stilled? And they get into that, and then Swan's like, don't worry, you've carried this burden by yourself for so long. 
I row beside you from here on out. It's just like, <laughs> like every single little time she can make a reference, oh, she she drops it's it. So it's book accurate, accurate baby. Yeah, book accurate. So book accurate. And then like it's time I met Randall Thor. Just like I literally got like a little jolt. I was like, oh, that seems like a big meeting. I'm excited yeah. to see this. Yeah, I was excited to see these two like finally reconnect, but obviously, it's not going to be in a way that they want to like this is a business meeting at the end of the day it's not going to be anything about love and it's a little painful to see them kind of button heads after being you know apart for so long swan literally just found out that she'd been stilled in her yeah. eyes and and the thing with about forcing lance bond to alana as a thing like she was not happy about that either yeah i just it, it sucks to see them both kind of because they're both going through it so it just sucks that they can't really embrace each other before they got a business literally only called this scene out to like have its own discussion because i wanted to shout out liana sadai how she like walks moraine in and then gets dismissed and like looks moraine up and down with like disdain in the ideal of like the tower and like the outward perspective like that is actually swan's like rider right hand like liana's like this fucking moraine chick like all this stuff like i don't even think liana knows about moraine and swan's like past and their relationship so it's just funny that like i just like how much of a rider she is all right. So as Paul mentioned, Swan's like time for me to meet Rand Althor. But before we get my favorite scene of the entire episode, which I have been absolutely crying out, begging for. And I mentioned at the end of last episode. So Rand is standing outside of this audience chamber and Lan, the man, kind of prepares him to meet the Emerald seat. Just so many good quotes. I literally teared up when I fucking watched this scene for the first time. This is easily my favorite scene of the whole episode. I feel like we'll let everyone else talk and then I can give just my piece the land piece the or when he gets yeah. into the chamber. I'll say before he gets into the chamber, just all of him in the land conversation. Okay. All right. Let me steal all the good lines real quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, do your thing. <laughs> Jitley reaches for the sword and uh, Rand dips away and he goes, oh. Heron dips the wing. Like I see you've would been you. Would you have said Rand nope, dips I away? Have. Okay, hundred nope, percent. <laughs> if you didn't know the move was called Heron dips the wing, <laughs> absolutely not. I just had that in my head because I was reading my notes. And then you talked. You guys talked about this before when we were talking about the moves. You were like, ah, cat crosses the courtyard. That's the one you want to look out for. And Lan says, to, yeah, Lan says to him right here, if you're going to use a move, use this move. And keep your back straight, blah, blah, blah. It was just the the whole training aspect of it was really cool. And it hit honestly hit me harder this episode because I know I I knew that you were looking forward to Rand and Land interaction. So I was like, all right, hopefully we get something a little cool here. And just I, I hope they train and bond a lot. And to jump forward, where we see them leave off, maybe they will. They're gonna have some time together. So land. That's their name together. <laughs> yeah. How imaginative. How about Ran without the D? <laughs> Ran, yeah, Ran. Ran will work too. Ran all Thor. Is that your only thought on this scene, Dave? Yeah, pretty much. Land's the man. So. <laughs> no, that, I'm craving more, to be honest. I need I need yeah. a little bit more, but it is nice. Like you could tell Rand looks up to Land a little bit and he absorbs the information. He says, Whatever you see, Face it on your feet, like all these little tidbits. Lan was always the one kind of calming Rand down early in season one when Rand was kind of freaking out about Egwene. Like, where the hell is she taking us? And mm -hmm. Lan was always kind of the voice of reason that Rand yeah. kind of Watch respected. your tongue, sheep herder. So the beginning of book two is they're back in Faldara 
and like Rand is kind of internally freaking out. Like he's been this season. He thinks he killed the dark one, but he can still channel. So he's like, everyone wants to kill me. And it's Lan and Rand kind of training with the sword in Faldara. And then like the Amarlin shows up and Rand's like, Oh my God, I gotta get the fuck out of here. You know, they're mm-hmm. here to kill me type of deal. And eventually it gets to a part where like, he has to like, things happen, blah, 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 blah. And he has to talk to her and him and Lan have this like almost exact conversation outside of the audience chamber. in like the beginning of book two, and I remember rereading the book being like, dude, like they might skip this shit. Like it's mm-hmm. the beginning of book two. Like we're not even in fall. Like we're not going to be in fall. Like Rand, land. Whoa. Rand ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's not going to happen. And the fact that we got it, it was just so awesome. I think one of my favorite, one of the most famous quotes from the entire story. One of mine is like Luke had kind of mentioned it. There's one rule above all others for being a man. Whatever comes, face it on your feet. That is something that like Rand like really internalizes throughout like the entire story. And it's like really shows that connection that him and and Lan have. And that honestly is Lan's like life story, basically. Like he has an insanely difficult life and past, and his whole family died, and his old kingdom and country's been swallowed by the blight. And he's kind of like a lone ranger in this fight against the shadow and him and Rain match up and moraine's fucking been dicking him around this whole season but like he knows in his head like there's one rule above all others for being a man is whatever comes you face it on your feet and like he embodies that so much and i also love again he's speaking this kind of sense this this mentorship this kind of emotional rock almost when rand is like i left to protect the people that i love and lands like Dude, like, don't like, you can't be that selfish. Like, you're the dragon reborn. You were born to protect this world and everyone in it, not just the ones you love. I feel like Rand really needed that slap in the face almost. That's of like, so you cool. can't, like, you can't just run because you are afraid of hurting people you love. You have such a higher purpose. Like, you can't think that small. Like, you're mm-hmm. the guy. You're our guy, and you need to start acting like our fucking guy. So he sends him into the room. And it's, it's, I love how, again, Swan, Swan, we can move right into that basically, is he's so formal in the beginning of the interaction where he's like, you know, I'm here, mother, or whatever. And she's like, oh, I see land prepared you. And like, it's exactly yeah. how it happens in the book. He like pours two drops of water. And they had this whole argument when land's like, it's two drops, like before they go in and he does it all. And Swan just smiles and it's like, I see fucking land sunk his talons into you type of deal. So I just, we can move right into that scene. I just, I love the Rand and Land interaction. Yeah, this was just an interaction that I, I guess, subconsciously have been just like very much waiting for because we have, if not the most powerful Aes Sedai who is in charge of the White Castle, which Rand has obviously been so (laughs) fearful of and dreading to want to like be around and whatnot. So it's, this was an interaction that I just really love seeing. Like as soon as he walks in the door, I'm like, this, like, ears were up. I was just like, edge of my seat. I was so ready for it. And, yeah, it was interesting seeing how in the very beginning, you know, he's very formal with her and then how once she's kind of letting it slip of the plan yeah. of what how they want to use Rand, he's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be formal anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. The thing that I brought up earlier was that the Amelin Seed is trying to cage him like the Sean Chen are caging Egwene, really. And everyone thinks they're all so high and mighty and better than the other person when in reality, it's just everyone can be a dick. Like, mm-hmm. sure, you're fighting for the side of good, but you got to think about, you know, the humanity of the thing. Like you can't just have Rand just shielded until the the moment you need him most and just like release him like a nuke. Like that's just not how this is going to work. And I think he's making a good case for that here. She is also kind of making a good 
case for it in the sense that it's like, okay, you're going to go mad. We need to really watch you. Like, you don't have any control of your powers. We need to be the ones watching you at all time. I get it. But obviously, that's just not how you're going to train someone like Rand. He's just going to be stubborn. And he's going to fight every way if that's the, if that's how you're going to do it. Yeah, super hypoc- hypocritical, honestly, it seemed like. But I love the line where Rand's like, oh, what if I don't want to be a spoke in the wheel anymore? And she's like, dude, you freaking moron. You're not, a, you're not a spoke. You're the water that turns the wheel itself. You don't get to and it kind of going off land like what he was saying. Face it on your feet. It's She's like, dude, you don't get to just like not want to be it you are a key part no matter what you want the way she was getting into you know oh do you know what the like tower law says that the Amarlin seat must do when they find the dragon reborn i thought she was going to be cool about it and be like oh like you know i'm not going to do that though <laughs> we throw yeah. you a fucking banger <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you paul you know the way that she just throws the shield at him too I, like well first one rand is like powering up i'm like dude are you seriously do you think you can <laughs> come on man what are you doing what are you doing i won't and... live in your cage i love that line yeah i was like oh, all right all right cool guy like that's like a rat saying that like yeah you're boom, gonna shielded yeah you're gonna be held in the cage she's like dude how many months have you known and you have literally learned nothing so that was cool and then just the Moraine and Land conversation outside. I was just like, dude, Moraine, stop being such a dick to Land, man. I thought you would be cool. And she's like, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Like, you put everything in a uh, whole battle in jeopardy because of this. But I just love the whole time Land is super concerned about her. Like, only two women in history that have been cut off that didn't kill themselves. Have you ever thought of that? And then that builds on Moraine being like, I never once thought of that. Like, I, she can't lie either. So this is the truth. Like, that I never was a like, great line from her. Yeah. Like, honest. I just are you kidding me? Like, of course I haven't. I have way too important of a job to do. And did that, you see a smile after that? I didn't. Like, that he was like, mm-hmm. OK, I That's don't. Awesome. That was like him really starting to believe that she is not still that she's actually shielded. He literally smiles after she says, "Like I never once considered it." And he's like, oh. "That's cool. That's a cool little pick." That, yeah, we were that talking about this last episode, you know, pushing the boundaries of the O's that you take when you become an eye to die. So if you can lie, then you you know you're not shielded. You're still to go into that land is reading in that. It's awesome. Yeah loved it loved it loved it yeah this like how kyle felt about the other scene you guys already took like a bunch of the great pieces of this scene between <laughs> rand and swan which is natural yeah, this, is, this is we get the trickle down it goes through dave and paul then it gets yeah. to me, and, then, and then kyle cleans it up but <laughs> i'm gonna bring up a line that i know a lot of people hate it which accepting the fact that this is an adaptation of the source material i've already gotten over it from season one but when Swan says to Rand after being disappointed, he's like, "This," she's like, this is all you know after six months. This is pathetic of, you know, him having a channeling. She says, we would have been so much better off if you were a girl. And I know a lot of book readers are sitting there like, oh, that's the that's a cringy line because the it's idea so that true, though. Well, yeah, no, 100 percent. That's like a that's very, very true. Yeah. For the, almost as a shock like that. I the heard madness it, that, like... and the training. Yeah, it's almost a shock that when I heard it, like they, that, like no one, and maybe they did, and I didn't catch it. That like no one ever said that in the books. It's true. It is. It it's feels a- like it would be like the I said I complete mindset of like it totally blows that this guy has to be a guy. It's a totally valid take. Yeah. But that's but that's what I was getting at is that it's like a it's a thing that the dragon is a guy. So that's what pissed people off in season one when they were doing the whole mystery. Is it a Gwen or Nynaeve? Like that was never an option yeah. and that was always a gripe. So this line is kind of like a fuck whatever, fuck you to the book readers. Who cares? 
accept that it's like that and it's actually a good line just like you're saying Kyle besides that the only other thing I like that Paul was kind of hinting at like the tower law is saying the dragon reborn is supposed to be used in the in the end of the last battle but Swan goes on to say not as a general but as a weapon and that just probably pushes the wrong buttons in Rand and I'm ready to mm. see how he reacts to that going forward because he's already very questionable about all Aes Sedai took him up until this point to even trust Moraine like these are not the things you want to say to the Dragon Reborn as you're shielding him. Mm. A lot of this is like kind of probably triggering him. So this was a really well done scene. Um, and I I was looking forward to Swan meeting meeting Rand like this. And this it was cool all around. And then as far as the Moraine land scene, yeah, you guys hit it pretty much. I don't think I have anything to add to that. I am happy, though, that Moraine goes back in right after that conversation and talks with Swan lumping this all together and says that cool line how the plan was after that cold opening for 20 years ago moraine was going to go find and prepare the dragon and then swan was going to get the tower ready that's just like cool because like that's always the plan but it's just cool to put into words so i like that one small thing just uh, praising the writing of the show and i i just loved that Varen and moraine were talking about you know what was this episode two um, you know, Great oh, this the sisters want to clip the dragon's wings, and we didn't really know what that meant, but it kind of planted the seed that oh, maybe being at the tower isn't the best thing for Rand. Um, and then you know, finally, however many episodes later, we get the reveal of what clipping the wings actually meant. Like, a we're going to shield you and use you as a weapon. So I had that in the, in the back of my mind, constantly watching the episode, seeing what the tower's real you know purpose and, and real plan was so it was cool to get that little payoff so just you know maybe they're not doing everything right but there are a couple things that really do feel good to be a viewer with like you know fresh eyes but rand's a peacock yeah gotta let him fly dude gotta, gotta let, let him fly, fly. baby <laughs> i just love swan i think she's a fantastic character sophie oka nato and i that is so not her name. Sophie, I believe, is her first name. But she's fucking awesome. I just love the little... Again, when we were saying Rand is so formal at the beginning, she's, like, so nice and smiley. And then she's, like... They're talking about these things. And then she just, like, drops. And it's, like, so deadly serious. And I love that she can flip that switch so well. I love the fact that they use the words general and weapon. I just, mm -hmm. like, that made me giddy thinking about, like, the series as it goes and Rand's place and everything. and Lieutenant. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we don't fuck with lieutenant. Sorry to our, yeah, we'll, we'll blame it on the French. We'll blame it on the Which, French, the lieutenant stuff. Was, Thank you for commenting and educating us, lieutenant. Oh, all, all 27 <laughs> comments. No, 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 we did it on purpose so we would get uh, yeah. all those comments. No, yeah, we're not idiots. Yeah. We knew that. We, knew that. <laughs> we had but, no idea. No, yeah. But yeah, Dave, I just love your point, too, about like those parallels between the, the Demane, the Soldam, the Sean Chan type of deal, where she's like, we'll only have you channel only what we want and when we want. And it's just so interesting that last episode Rena goes to Egwene and it's like, oh, so like the I like the eyes that I don't have slaves, all that kind of stuff. That mindset is just very interesting. They're paralleling them. And then the last thing that I'll say is that I thought it was kind of interesting that Swan is like, you left the fate of the world a chance for your pride. And I was like, bro, where's your fucking belief in the wheel, baby? The wheel wills is the wheel wills, baby. The wheel weaves is the wheel wills. Like, that's all Maureen had to say. Like, what do you mean, girl? You forgot? Have you lost faith in the wheel? That would have been my comeback. That's all I got to say. Oh, and then it's just interesting that the plan 
at the end game for Swan is to announce Rand as the dragon in front of like the world, basically when Queen Galdrian returns they'll at have the 14 castle, though, to die right? with them. Yeah. They'll have 14 eyes to die with you talking about the white castle. Yeah. White castle. Now I think she said here in Kyrian. Oh, did she say Kyrian? Yeah. In the sun oh, yeah, palace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're the right. sun palace of Kyrian. They didn't name drop that yet, but I'll drop it for you. Okay. So we'll move into kind of the aftermath of all of these conversations is that Rand is now shielded. He's placed in a cell. Liana Sedai is holding his shield and uh, his desperation, you can say in the moment, leads him back to who else? But our girl, Lanfear. And I mean, hey, that's exactly where I would run as well. So I would say there's a little bit of like an Alana mask I'm seeing in here, but I'm thinking we talk like we meet Rand in the cell all the way until Lanfear busts through the, the four gate in all white and throw just, just fucking ripping fireballs. I mean, I totally understand why rand is so whipped for Lanfear because she is just so sexy man those boots were doing it for me when she's just sitting on that throne she yeah, just both does. outfits yeah they're great i love it when you try and manipulate me <laughs> great line that great might line. be the qu- so many quotes of the of the yeah. episode i was cracking the fuck up when rand's in the cell and he's shielded and he's telling talking to moraine and he's like it feels like moraine's like yeah i fucking know okay like you don't need to tell me like i know exactly what it feels like yeah we it's just nice every time they drop little lines about rules of channeling um they moraine says she needs to channel to keep the shield in place and it was just going into we're not supposed to know about tying off knots and shields and stuff like that and all of that so we got the answers a little early like kyle was saying before but it i honestly am glad that we got it then so we're not like sitting around like what the fuck's going on and all this other shit so mm-hmm. uh, i i don't know i just i liked it a lot just seeing the what uh, what's her the keeper what's the right yep. hand liana yeah. liana yeah yeah, Liana just again, she's probably just so happy that she's there to do this. She probably loves making them like suffer because like you were saying, she doesn't like Moraine and she is Swan's right hand. So she was definitely enjoying it. She's super powerful and her thing in the books, which Kyle, I know he has mentioned at least maybe back in season one or coverage, her thing is she is just the hottest girl in the world. Like really every time she gets talked about, it's like, oh my god, like she's yeah, so she's attractive. like tall, long legs. Yeah. Oh, the, her like I guess ethnicity, she's uh she's Damani, which is gets very confusing in the audiobook with the Damane. Oh, yeah. it's the worst. It's the worst thing ever, honestly. Yeah. But they're like whole shtick, they're like masters of seduction, like they teach women. This is a very cultural thing for them. So Liana's just like a very sultry, like attractive just like woman who like turns heads type of deal. I honestly, I get it in like a different way from her actress, her actress in real life too is like a badass chick. And I think she fits the role really well. I'm excited to get more of her. It reminds me of Francesca just from the Witcher. She's supposed to be like the most beautiful elf of like all time. Um, They say that every every time in the the book. Yeah, yeah, so Luke, be supposed to be. Luke's obsessed with her. Um, So I love the reveal too, that they're talking about why, like Rand is telling Moraine, yeah, I know they're trying to get me to go to Falm, but I'm I want to do it anyway because they have a Gwaine. And then, you know, they kind of put it together. They want me to go to Falm because that is where the dragon is supposed to proclaim himself, which is really cool. And the Forsaken wanna proclaim him. And then, you know, we're thinking they kill him right away. So the whole world knows there is no hope. And they're like, Wow, I'm uh trapped in 
you know, a cell by the Aes Sedai. The Forsaken would totally hate that. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe we use that to our advantage. So the only thing I had a problem with this of him like calling for Landfair's help to cause a distraction was Land just had the line like, hey, don't be selfish. You're supposed to protect the people of this world. And then by calling Landfair, she they just kill probably like a hundred p- people if not more so necessary whatever. collateral it's like yeah dragon. the bigger picture thing but <laughs> yeah. yeah. also a few for the many I brought, the I brought this up last episode from their perspective until this moment what has she done on screen to our characters that would signify that she's pure evil like or if she even is like i'm just saying in general like how would Rand know besides that she has the title forsaken and like the the mythos around it like you know what I mean? Like she, all she's ever done is she tries to manipulate Rand all the time, but like in a way that is for her gain, I guess. Her trance on Luke is working. Oh, she's, she's trying yeah. to trance Rand, Luke's, and it's catching Luke's up Luke. Talk back. about Wheel of Land fear, bro. This is the best <laughs> show ever, man. She's the best. I, I saw a, a very funny tweet that was like Rand going to her in the dream world was like when you miss the bus in middle school. And like you have to like go ask your one of your parents <laughs> to give you a ride to school. It's like, hey, um, I'm yeah. kind of locked in a cell in Kyrie. And so She's like, like, you didn't even make it out of the city, bro. And he's like, come on, I need your help. Yeah, that was great. If only Egwene had a Forsaken to help her out with her situation. <laughs> yes, no. Yeah, maybe Rena's a Forsaken. Yeah. Who knows? She's not. <laughs> to our knowledge, she's not the reincarnated boyfriend or girlfriend of some fucking powerful Forsaken. My so. boy Ishi's going to save her. Uh, maybe, maybe. And Lanfear's rampage was interesting. I thought it was just very fun. She looks great. I thought the CGI looks really good. Mm. I just love the line of 3,000 years pass and I'm back to this, which is just very so interesting. I had that written down. It hurt in the war of power of like talking about the shadow, just like fucking cities up and did shit she, like that. Did she say I'm back to this or we're back to this? Because that's a big because in my I I heard how I mine. took it and this I could be completely wrong. I thought it was too much of a coincidence of her showing up to like the castle gate and saying like 3000 years and we're back to this like saying how in the last in whatever it was two episodes ago when she was saying how technology hasn't even caught up to where they were when the world broke 3000 years ago i thought she was saying like we're still fucking doing medieval castles like we're back to this that's how i yeah. took it but i could be completely wrong because what you're saying also makes sense yeah i took it as like 3000 years and like i'm still like we're i'm back to you know pretty much laying siege to all these big castles and cities yeah. and i guess it wouldn't have been castles but either way the point's cool regardless because it's yeah. just like her talking about her being yeah living my, through multiple ages and seeing this my note underneath it is just she looks so hot and evil <laughs> does she not look like sansa stark a little bit sophie so, turner did you get any of that just a little great. bit i could i could see why you i do she's not. the hottest man <laughs> i love her so sophie much. turner or lanfear but, <laughs> yeah. but lanfear natasha's overtaken sophie Jeez. <laughs> all right so speaking of hot we're gonna get to hot and well now we got to get to some i guess yeah there's talk about Varen. yeah no there's there's hot involved here so uh a lot so maskim's like hanging out in the hallway checking himself out in his knife i feel like obviously he's acting that way more than he actually is that way type of deal but essentially they lead lan 
to Dave's favorite character. Or no, is he three? Is he four? Is he five? Who knows? Well, tune in next episode when you get our updated character rankings. So we Logan, a Lan and Logan interaction was not something that I was anticipating or expecting. I thought it went hard. A lot of good see, a lot of good quotes. Just a very, I think, productive scene as well. So I think a lot goes on here. I assume we'll have a lot to say, but biggest drop which was huge info dump and would have been nice if you know we kind of got a little reference to it earlier but lan is like hey i am told that you can see male weaves and all that stuff so we got references to it i guess it was kind of tough like when you're with us when we're like this isn't how it is in the books and then we're kind of confusing you type of deal so i mean even without that i mean it goes against everything for him to be able to see weaves being stilled. Like that just doesn't make sense to me still, even though like he's special and has that ability that doesn't explain why he has it. So I also agree. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so it, it just didn't make sense. So we're like watching all these episodes and we're like, this doesn't check out. This doesn't check out. This doesn't check out. So I just wish they dropped something earlier. Mm-hmm. And if the, the whole drop was that he saw Rand while he was in the cage like i don't know that seemed more of a plot hole than it did you know an info drop at the time so and for what it's worth i'm pretty sure this is considered a talent under that same bucket as foretelling mm-hmm. yeah yeah capital so, t baby talent they're yeah, just not like i think what paul's saying is like just for non-podcast listeners and yeah. like just casual viewers yeah. like, we they haven't even dropped the word talent yet, have they? No, 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 no. Yeah, like, so how can it's obviously not it seems to be revealed at this time. Like having a talent isn't touching the one power. It's just like a power that you know, even if you are stilled, you can still have access to. Yeah, apparently, just, apparently, yes. This stuff apparently. is the gray area of what they're changing, what they're keeping, because yeah. the books don't even use the word talent that often compared to. I mean, they do, but whatever. Yeah, they keep do. Going. Keep going. <laughs> but I this was a. Great land scene, baby, because he he really baits Logan here just to try and get him to feel, you know, he's in a good spot, like has the upper hand on him. And then at the very end, Land switches it off on him. He's like, I will never forget what you did to our sisters. Yeah. You are a piece of shit. You can just rot here for all I care. You're never going to experience death. You're just going to live out your days like this. That was just a great hard line from Land to just some- rub it in Logan's face. Got some brown sisters that want to study you. Like maybe I'll just let them have you. Yeah, I love Logan because he got Logan back a little bit. Because to Logan's credit, he's not very clear about what he means when he's like, "What do you see when you look at Moraine?" And he's like, "A desperate, lonely woman who has given <laughs> her life to a cause beyond her understanding." And he's like, "You know, it's madness. It's asking me for a straight answer, yeah, motherfucker." That was great. <laughs> I, I love wild card. Yeah. I love that line. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I was really funny. A little bummed out that he his description of it sounded amazing. He was like, "You know, there are weaves on it from a man." Thousands of strands pulled together, held in place, but nothing being channeled into them. I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. And then they kind of show Rand what he yeah. sees. And I'm like, that's like seven weaves. Man. It's a CGI just, budget. We'll, we'll I, talk about the CGI budget. I know. I know. I was a little upset. But I you know it is what it is. Yeah, his little reenactment of it, too. He's like getting his little cloak around himself. He's like crunching over. He's like, it looks like this. looks like this. <laughs> that was great. Um, question for the Rooks here. Do you think this is the last time we see El Professor Logan? I mean, I want to say no because I no. feel like he barely taught Rand how to channel. <laughs> you yeah. could argue he didn't teach him dick. <laughs> he, all he said is you got to grab that shit, yeah. and then it made yeah. Rand puke right yeah, after. Well, so, it was baby, baby spit up. Yeah, it was more of a baby spat up. But yeah, <laughs> he's definitely coming back though. 
All right. So the next scenes are in somewhat of an awkward kind of cadence progression type of deal. Let's take Varen arriving and kind of pulling the fast one on Liana. And then the three of them, this is Moraine, Varen, Rand, walk outside, are greeted by these newfound allies, at least in Rand's mind. And then the last kind of part is Swan and the other I said I link type of deal. So maybe let's talk about Swan on the other side of linking very quickly, only because I know it's not going to be a big conversation. I just thought it was very cool that they did the storm cloud and it looks really cool. And then they dampen the four gates fires. Liana arrives and she's like a little confused because she's like, hey, didn't you call for me type of deal? I don't know how much we want to talk about that. We'll talk about it more maybe when we talk about actually Varen. So is that seemed like the weaves going into creating the rain and I seemed like they actually did have you know, some blue or some green to them, which made him like, oh, that's the earth weave and the water weave or whatever combining yeah. to do that. So Kyle, you've been saying it, the effort going into the weaves this season, minus the seven weaves that were shielding. <laughs> <Shield. Rays. laughs> um, my thoughts are in terms of linking, like the first thing I obviously thought of was the finale of season one. Um, yeah, obviously uh, for you guys, um, <laughs> but we don't talk about that. So the woman there that is linking all the uh, at the end of season one, mm-hmm. is she just not experienced enough with linking Correct. to be able to control it? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was she, she was, she so was not weak. a sister. Yeah, she was so weak. They kicked her out of the tower because she couldn't even become a novice. OK. okay. Yeah. OK. That makes yeah. sense. No, that's just the only thing I really yeah. thought of. Was when that's like handing that. a machine gun to like a toddler is what she was. Versus Swan, you're given, you know, like she's a trained fucking military expert, like with. Oh, and speaking to also, Paul, with what you were going into with the weaves and seeing the colors, I'm pretty sure when Rand is face to face with the Amelin seat, you can actually see him pull some of the fire. Yes, you can. From yeah. the red, from the, the red yeah, weaves. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just we're, again, yeah. more attention to detail. We're getting and. We'll talk about it a little later. How about I'll, I'm yeah, going to stick yeah. a pin in that in my own mind. And I'm going to say this out loud. So that now we all know that the pin is there. Yeah. Are we well, done? Okay, now we're that? talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, keep going. let's keep going. Well, I'm just saying. So, yeah, Rand in the books is like a big fire guy. So, yeah, I mean, we could. They've done a good job, I think, of doing that. I was That's talking about job. this earlier. I was like, do we know if he specializes in one or the other? So that's cool that we Yeah, but it wasn't little... cool when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was way more like exploratory and like ugh, hypothetical. Yeah, now we got now. some concrete yeah. examples. All right. So we're going to move slightly back in time just because I like these two scenes. Just we're big Varen fans. Varen kind of arrives, orders Liana away, and then... There's a lot of, I th- there's a couple good quotes here. Varen, I feel like is ripe for good quotes. And then we meet outside a couple more good quotes. So just those two scenes together. And then we'll take like the real ending of the episode will be the ending of our episode as well. You are very clever with your words, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Moraine, Moraine knew right away. This keeper bitch for being the second hand. <laughs> Sorry for the B word. But uh, we drop I don't it too know. Much. We drop it too much. <laughs> she wasn't. Uh, says we. Yeah, she wasn't. You were working on it. <laughs> she, I, she just wasn't ready. She wasn't thinking in uh, enough. And what Varen said is the Amerlin seat needs you to protect the people. Is that what she says? It's the Amerlin requires your strength to watch over Kyrian. And I've been told to watch the boy. Well, okay. So when she says, I've been told to watch the boy. Is that like her Just saying? like the eyes that die, watch over the dragon reborn, don't let him escape. Like that would qualify as her not lying. 
Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, was it like her warder who was like, she was she's like, oh, I've been told to watch over the Dragon Reborn, but yeah. you know, it was actually my boy that told me to go watch <laughs> over him. Like, that's not a lot. Well. Valid. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is again back to episode two when Varen's like, eh, I'm not a big oath gal. Like, there's a lot of ways to to circumvent the oath, and we're almost seeing here in this scene, like she's a master of, yeah. of circumventing. And Moraine, like you said, calls her out on it. Like, damn, that's awesome. You're um, wild. Waygate hidden in the city, and the whole Yasuka giving her the Ogier map, just really cool. You know, glory yeah, to the builders, back. glory to the builders. They're the best, and I just absolutely love. When they're in the courtyard getting their shit together, and then Lan and the rest of the crew runs up, it's just is it Varen or is it? Oh, I can't remember. I think it's Varen. She just looks up. And she's like, ah, the wheel weaves, man. <laughs> she's just like, she's just like, yeah, speak of the devil. It's the same thing. How the great Avengers yeah. assemble moment, honestly. Just some of the OGs coming back together. We get Moraine, Ran, Lan. Like everyone's coming together. Some of the new friends that we've made along the way varin and her trio or and her squad of warders like love love this interaction here second like screen time counting and like pound for pound varin's like the goat and yeah in the books like i kyle knew i was such a stan for varin like always she's just she's just the shit like the second leona walks out of the room she unshields ran like in a second and they're like holy shit because she knew about the prophecy the whole time. And then she knows about the other part of the prophecy when they're all outside the way gate. And she's like, oh, like talking about revealing the dragon like at fall. Yeah, like she knows about all sky, this. Like yeah. that's just not only just Varen, like the Brown sisters in general. It's just a really cool part of their faction within the the White Tower. I I love seeing her. I hope that she continues her actor continues to get a lot of screen time going forward in future seasons because I she stayed behind, right? Didn't she go back? Yeah. After they all squat yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I like in this last thing I'll say before we move into like our OG people moving to the Waygate is that I like how Alana honestly like makes a point to look at Moraine and it's like like you're not alone anymore in this journey. And Moraine probably wouldn't let that show ever, but I feel like deep down that actually does mean a lot. Lan even says to her earlier, again on this theme of like you need to trust somebody like you literally cannot do this alone type of deal. So I like that we're kind of in Dave, you know, Avengers, like we're building a little bit of a squad here, which is very fun for yeah. sure. All right. The real important people of the squad though, move to arrive at the way gate, which is Rand, Lan and Moraine. And just uh, a lot of shit, a lot of shit goes down here. So let's just completely open the floor. This is our last scene of the episode. So let's just, Go gung ho. I think we break it up it. before and after Swan shows up just to ease the okay. conversation. Rand takes the shield away, essentially. With more red weaves, it looked like, yeah. you know, a he little pulled, bit. Like, there's like a torch from the torch that he has. Let's this is go. like a this is a awesome. scene to highlight the acting, though, is what I kind of really wanted to point out because yeah. Rand, as soon as he like embraces the source, I guess I shouldn't even say embrace because that's more the female side of it. Takes as it. soon as he takes hold of the source and grabs it to break the weaves. I thought he just looked badass. Like he just mm. decided, all right, I'll do this. I'll try this. That whole thing was really cool. I don't know. I just, uh, this, this is like, again, free balling it from the books. Like this is, this was not there before, but this is when we see the combination of him pulling from the air, the fire plus the taint. So like that triple co coloring of it was pulling really cool. from the taint. Oh, the yeah, dark one's go. taint, baby. <laughs> Love it. Um, that whole thing was sweet, but it, we can we can open up the whole thing. I don't. No, you're I, good. No. One thing I want to say about this, I loved the visual hesitation of his weave. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. 
I thought yeah. that was like the music's hitting and like Land is like giving him the confidence to do it. And it's just like so good. And they can't see how hesitant he yeah. is. So he's like going up to it and then retreat, like pulling yeah, back yeah. just a little bit and then going. So really, really cool. There were so many cool things about this scene that really made it special. Moraine saying, I trust you was, I feel like one of the best lines of the show because she really does because she can't fucking lie. Mm-hmm. So if she trusts Rand to be the dragonborn, even though they just got done with Swan saying like, yo, you haven't learned anything. You can't channel. I don't know. I just, I thought that was after Moraine has been so distant this whole season, it just felt reassuring to, feel like moraine actually trusted somebody which lan had that line earlier you need to put faith in somebody you need to be able to trust somebody eventually if it wasn't me maybe it'd be swan it's great to see that she actually trusts ran that's really cool after all the shit that they went this was lan's like his stocks were i was craving a little upshoot in the stock value talking about one of the best quotes man as soon as she's able to get that shield off looks right at her and what does he say i'm sorry took me so long to do my duty mm-hmm. like after this whole time she's been treating him like garbage but he knows it's not really oh, her oh. Yeah, take it on your feet baby i'm waiting for the next the other amazing land quote we'll get it eventually and then we can all cry together and we'll call back to this moment season mm-hmm. two episode seven on september 29th 2023 at 9 40 p.m okay so <laughs> We're done with kind of the emotional moments and we move now into let's take some action. So Moraine channels and opens the way gate. And I love the shot of Lan and Rand behind her as she's like embracing the source again and channeling. It's like Rand is over her right shoulder and Lan's over her left shoulder. And it's like, this is this is the fucking team right here. This like, feels these are right. Just, yeah, like these guys are going to fucking <laughs> save the world, I believe, so hard. And then Swan arrives. And totally throws that feeling and thought into complete disarray, tosses a shield on Rand, fucking throws Lan against the wall, and then fucking calls back to season one, episode six, I believe, of the oath that she swore and just mm-hmm. kind of chaos, honestly, at this point breaks out out front of this wake gate. And we can just run it now, I would say, until the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. If you've ever loved me, don't oh. do this. Oh my god. And Swan's like, I command you to close the wake gate. And yeah, just the it's really good acting because she's showing that she's trying to resist yeah. but also portraying that she can't and i don't know i just thought it was great and the absolute sadness in rosamund pike's like face as this whole thing is going on i mean she's so good mm-hmm. at at showing emotion for somebody who never shows emotion if that even makes sense. Maureen is such a complicated character. I mean, I don't think the show would be the same without her. Um, she's she's absolutely killing it. And we're going more into it. I just want to say one more line when Lanfear comes <laughs> in. Which one? <laughs> Lan- Lanfear comes in. He's going to take out Moraine and Rand jumps in the way. And he's like, no, 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 not her. Like, come on. And she says, every day you grow more like Luce which all right i just need to point out that i made fun of dave for calling him <laughs> lose this is exactly what, what i was gonna say i was how you gonna say yeah yeah i, I was, was like, like it's the time how, to talk about it <laughs> how are you pronouncing it are you saying lose wow i thought it was loose like the the, the goose is loose yeah i got that with subtitles this episode yeah so all right well, you, um, Paul, you were like, oh, my God, that's so much worse. Lose is so dumb. <laughs> I'm I thought lose 
I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like he's destined to suck if his name is Loose. Loose isn't much better. <laughs> oh, come on. He's yeah. loose, I mean, dude. You'd much rather be tight. tight. You'd much rather be tight. Oh, come on. He's like got guy no like... stress. He's loose as... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, you know my boy tight? Yeah, he's tight. Yeah. You rub his shoulders and like, wow, you're loose, man. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there a comment made here about Swan potentially not being as powerful as she once was i feel like i'm gathering i feel like i had a note here that like kind of implied from either there was like also a quote earlier in the episode too that made it me think that she's not as strong as she was like i think moraine here before she's like lanfear says at the end a broken omerlin's more useful than a dead one is that what you're talking about that but there was like another quote that i'm pretty sure moraine kind of says a little bit earlier but it just made me think that like i just i was under the assumption that the omelette scene might be going through something where she's just not i mean as Moraine does say things. like basically tells her like not to square up to Lanfear, and then she and i mischaracterized them last episode where she has like the kind of headdress of knives it's water because like paul mentioned she's you know more of a water person and then she has oh, like the cool. whole fucking you know, collection of water knives around her, which was really cool. Also, and obviously, we get a little flick. That was going to be my comment is that it's just crazy that there was definitely time for the Amelin seat to like do all the weaves and then produce the knives. Like there was some, yeah. some, inst- like there could have been some time there that, you know, Landfear took advantage of and she did. She just immediately flicks it away, which. Mm. So to do that to the omelet seat is just crazy to me. This is this is <laughs> yeah. Mihawk showing up at the Barati. Yeah, yeah this Barati is what this is. Yeah. Like there is nothing that anybody there can do to stop yeah. Landfear at the smallest whim, and maybe not that's just what, Landfear, all of Forsaken. Maybe that's what you're. Maybe that's what I was harping on, Kyle. Is the fact that I think Moraine specifically tells her just to not fuck with Landfear. Yeah. So maybe I just kind of took that as like you're not as strong as you used to be, but yeah. everyone's just not as strong. Compared yeah. to She's like I you mean, have yeah, no shot. Yeah. The whole paradigm has changed at this point. Like they thought they were strong, but now they realize what like true strength kind of is type of deal. And this is the most common complaint I saw when I was like scrolling Reddit or Twitter or whatever from book readers saying Marine would never go with land fear. I'm skipping to the end when they all go through the yep. way gate together. Marine would never do that. This doesn't happen in the book. So there's no situation that we could even compare this to. She has no fucking choice. She, yeah, Marine yeah. could fight her ass off. She could do whatever she want. And this is a flick to land fear. So it doesn't matter. And that's my like chirp back at any book readers that are really upset with Marine's decision making here, because it's either let Rand walk into the way gate with her or die. Like yeah. try and stop her and you're, you're going to get flicked. Yeah. She, cause Marine's not as strong as Swan. So it's like, what? Uh, I don't know. I don't understand that complaint that I've been seeing consistently no. from book cloaks, but like, whatever. I totally agree with you though, Luke, that like she has to do this. Like there's no choice and this is going to sound ridiculous, but like playing Baldur's Gate, walk into a scene and this dude's killing everybody. And it's like, all right, you can either tell him to stop and he's going to fight you and kill you or. Like, you just kind of have to go along with it. Well, otherwise, you're done. Uh, so, yeah, just like say nothing is one of the options. It's like, yeah, Moraine literally has to like say nothing right now because she can't do anything. And I didn't say this earlier, but I just love seeing the actual oath rod action, like restrictions in action. You know, yep. we're seeing actual oaths be enforced here. So that was really cool. Yeah, we've um, never really seen someone like 
that we know try to lie and we know they're yeah. trying to lie and like they physically can't speak it. So that was cool. This no, was this, like the first instance, which this was really was awesome. One of the coolest things to see come to life from the books, because like, like Kyle just said, that's my exact example. I was going to say, you can't, you can't visualize that in the books and the way we physically got to see it. This is the first time anybody that's a wheel time fan got to see something like this. And it was, I think that's that reinforced the idea really well. And people like me and others were like a little weirded out that they made her swear on the oath rod for this like kind of somewhat flimsy like reason of like, oh, I can't tell you why I was out of the tower. Like, okay, you're excommunicated. You have to swear on the oath rod. Like they don't really use the oath rod that way ever in the books. But I think it this it coming full circle to be able to like show us that visualization of it, I think ended up paying off in the end. And I think my last comment on the episode is that when Lanfear actually hits Swan and she says, you know, a broken amulet is more useful than a dead one. We don't see Swan move at all. We see the blood coming from her nose. And I'm like, is she paralyzed? Like, can she can she not like walk? Isn't and that's what Lanfear meant when she said broken? Can she even channel? Like, is that what she meant? Because we didn't see anything after that. Like maybe she somehow shielded her in, in the middle of that and then that qualifies her as broken and then the only thing i could think about is if the island seat is broken then is somebody gonna have to take over her role and oh my god i really fucking hope it's not leandrin like is leandrin <laughs> gonna usurp her because she had that line to uh El elena the keeper liana Liana, I'm sorry. I always mess this fucking two up. Uh, I know. Good. Well, there's an Alana. There's an Alana. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. I always mix them up. And then because she had that, Leandrin had that line to her saying, like, you know, one day, you know, you're not gonna, you're not, gonna, I forget what she says. I don't know why I'm trying to bring this quote up exactly. I'm with you that, like, I'm kind of harping on, like, the broken part. Like, is she talking about that she still her? Did she just you know cut her off from the power did she break her so, back break her back or something exactly i have no idea i don't think leandrin would be the first choice for I, I don't know how the how it works on who gets quote-unquote voted into being the omelin seat yeah. but i feel like there's enough leandrin hate to not allow that to happen but there's also a lot of swan hates and she's still on the throne so black aja man black aja can make things happen they yeah. totally miss an opportunity, they being Robert Jordan. It would have been funny if, like, when they get a new Armelin, like, you know, the color of their old Aja, like, comes out of the, the fireplace. Like the in Pope. The, <laughs> in the White Castle. Yeah, like a new Pope gets elected. It's just, like, red smoke comes out. It's like, oh, we got a red one. That would be kind of funny. My last comment on this scene is that they fucking knew what they were doing when they were giving us the flashbacks. And Swan says, Moraine, please. And then Lan from behind her says, Moraine, please. And and then the, the flashbacks start. And it's like, what a decision. It's like, oh, my God. I just want utter, to crumple into a ball. Yeah, utter pain. Like, this was we were cruising through the episode. And, of course, they got to let us hurt a little bit at some point during the yeah. episode. Before we get into MVL, MVP, LVP, the last thing I want to say is, is this, it's so, this was a weird episode for me because again, like I've said multiple times, it's so different from the books that like it felt a little odd on the first watch of like, man, this is so different, but it's good, but it's so different. This also weirdly felt like, like a Game of Thrones episode, you know, and that like, like there's obviously way more magic and real time's more like fantastical type of deal, but like, I don't know, like all of like the reunions and like mm -hmm. the squad ups and like, 
the implications of like big moments, things were happening, like, oh my God, the Amaranth Sea and the Dragon Reborn have met and, and we're moving characters around and like things are happening and Lanfear is rolling through the four game blowing shit up. I was like, this literally feels like, like Game of Thrones level type of stuff, which was really, really fun. No complaints for me. This is, again, if we're comparing it to Game of Thrones, we're about a couple episodes into season two. So if you're thinking like reunions matter now, just, yeah, yeah. just imagine what it's going to be like when we all... No, I mean, the, uh, the, the five hasn't been together yeah. in yeah. so long. I mean, we've seen... Well, Rand's you know, the final little piece interactions. Right yeah, yeah, we've seen Rand interact with Matt a little bit and so on and so forth, but yeah. all five need to get together. And yeah. I agree with you, though. This has been the most different from the books, but I am in love with this show now. Like, I'm, I'm at that point where I fucking love this show. It doesn't matter all these changes yet to me. Like, nothing has been as crazy as the season one failure of the changes, like those pieces Ooh. of it. And it actually... I wanted to bring this up now, so I have it up on my phone. Rafe Judkins, the the showrunner of Wheel of Time, did a um, Q&A kind of thing on Twitter yesterday. Or maybe oh, yeah. it was either Just yesterday or two over. days ago. Yeah. And it was before this episode went live. And they were definitely worth reading all of his replies to different people talking about things. But the two things I wanted to point out, and Kyle, this one's mostly... For, did you have a chance to read them all? I did not. So this one's mostly for you. Um, yeah. eh, both of these are actually mostly for you. The, oh, I love that. There, there, there's three I wanted to bring up. Two are quick. So the one was, is there anything to look forward to in tonight that you're like really hype about? And it was Cat Cross the Courtyard. That was the first thing. Hey, um, the second thing he said was, someone asked him, will we find out why Loyal survived? That's the biggest gripe I have so far. And I'm just sitting here like waiting for more to figure out about that. And then what Rafe said was, we all have scars we bear from COVID. Loyal was applied right to the chest whenever he shoots without a shirt. So I think that's the acknowledgement that yeah, what they swept dumb. under the rug with Pot on Fane's knife in the beginning of season two with all of them, Messina, Uno, mm-hmm. and um, Loyal, like they just said, yep, that's a book. That's a season one-ism that we're just Yeah, they took that ignore. one on the chest. Like, yes. that's us. Yeah. And then the third one was, what's your favorite episode of the season? season of the finale so that's a lot so basically it's all of it was positive everything i was reading from rafe going back and forth between fans definitely worth checking out his twitter feed from two nights ago all right does that get us into mvp lvp yeah and yeah i guess i also yeah you guys start quick so um Egwene, i already gave my reasoning for why she was amazing that 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 line read and just her being awesome was just always there um lvp I'm actually going to go with Swan, but only because yeah, of how like direct nothing to do with her and Moraine, all about her and Rand and how she was trying to cage him. And that is something that really frustrated me in the books. And I think it came across well in a good way here where she's really pushing against the main character and like, I don't like it. He doesn't like it. And it really showed on the screen. So Swan's going to be my LVP. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, uh, MVP. I'm going to do Elaine because Ooh. man, when she sem- te- she tells Nynaeve, we tried your plan. We're doing it my way now. I was just like, take charge, take charge. <laughs> She's awesome. I just love the way she, that she handles everything. And then LVP, I'm going to do friggin' Bart, the the worst <laughs> king Bart? to be. Yeah. yeah. What's his actual name? Bartholomew. No, that's Bartholomew. That's what I'm thinking of. What's his Barthanus. Barthanus. Yeah. More like Bart Anus. He sucks. So yeah, got him. Got him. Got him. <laughs> all right. That's it. I guess that's all you needed. Bart Anus. All right. Dave, you can go. 
No, let's give it to you. I feel like you're last every time. I'll, I'll let okay. you go. As so long as you don't my steal M- my one LVP. <laughs> okay. My I'm MVP struggling. is going to be Lan, the goat. Got a lot of emotion out of me. His fucking lines. Like every time he opened his mouth, was just like boom, boom, impact, 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 statement, bang, bang. So he was, I think, legitimately batted a thousand for this game, which was for this game for this episode, which was awesome. And my LVP. This is tough. What's the wander? What's the warder's name that followed Tomas? Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah, he's the LVP. <laughs> Wasted time. Followed Tomas. Yeah, this is tough. My LVP, we'll say Leandrin, just because who does she think picture? she is? She wanted that fucking like, picture off the like, wall? Take that picture off the wall. Yeah, Get the board off the wall. Yeah. Terrible interior design thoughts. And like, we're just passing off this thing into Barthanis to Darth Bart. Like, you failed that. We'll see what your repercussions are. She disappeared. People are now suspicious of her. So it's kind of like, Things are getting out of control for her, it feels like. So screw her. We haven't even talked about like the repercussions that we'll have on Leandrin, like because the mom obviously is gonna let it she already has technically, I guess, let loose that Leandrin and her son are dar friends. Maybe she keeps it to get to herself. I don't know. That'd be stupid. But you gave your two, right? Your all right. Uh MVP, three of the four were taken, so it makes my life a little bit easier here. Uh I'm gonna go with Varen. Pretty straightforward, very easy. I think that's the second one I've ever given her. I wanted to give it to yeah. Elaine or Gwen because I've never given it to them. Yeah. And then once you guys went, I was like, all right, I'll just go last. So I was thinking, <laughs> I think I thought you were going to say Lanfear for some reason. No, it was Elaine, Egwene, Lan, Varen. For so. what it's worth, I have always had Lanfear in my top five, four MVPs. So <laughs> I, I was last and they all got taken. Yes. Yeah, do you, guys, do you, do you write them down? There. Do you guys have them written down? I write all four. Yeah. Just oh, I'm just such yeah. an on the fly guy. Yeah. I had I only had two, so I, that's why I jumped in. I, I do was like, I go next. <laughs> I do them on the fly while we're recording. And yeah, I that's four. Fair, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah I do that's write fair. four out. So what was um, your LVP? LVP is just the easiest one to give it to is Rena. I just feel like anytime ah, she's on screen, yeah. she could just deserve an LVP. She got that's one last fair. episode. And yeah, she's definitely going to get killed by Egwene. So that's if so facto. Mm-hmm. All right. And we know what else is ipso facto is that we have one fucking episode left, which is well, insane to think about. We have the I'm, finale. I might as well be gentled. I might as well be gentled. <laughs> yeah, after, right? Yeah. Hopefully our wait is another two years, but we're going to fucking worry about that once after we watch the episode. So I'm sure that'll probably be our longest episode ever. Mm-hmm. This is already a pretty long one. So I'll wrap this up very quickly. As always, we're just so appreciative of everyone that reaches out to us on X, Twitter, youtube discord everyone just watching liking subscribing commenting it's just so much fun i mean we obviously have fun when we record these and it feels like you guys obviously know that you get that like the energy off of us but we like talk all the time about all of like the comments and we read them and like we try to get to all of them but sometimes it's literally like we read when we love so much we're all just talking about it like in texting and then we don't actually respond to it so just know that like if you wrote a comment to us we've seen it we might not respond to it but we love it one episode left. We're going to keep riding this train all the way until the end. And yeah, we're Binge Town TV. We already gave our little Gen V plug, but we will be covering Gen V on Amazon Prime as well. So if you're a Boys fan and Wheel of Time fan, obviously go check out our coverage, especially if you like this coverage. I'm sure you do if you're listening to, you know, this is our, what, two of this podcast. And yeah, that's it. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your week. We'll see you for the finale. Love you guys. JJK yeah, will be out soon. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also that. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.